Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the borrower with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Blackhawk Talk, episode number 33, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I'm here with Joey Parisi and Frankie Mueller. And guys, what's going on? What's up? I don't know. You can't tell who I'm looking at, but I was looking at Frankie, seeing him smirk, seeing if you were going to fuck up the intro again. That's what I was waiting for. I actually did fuck up the intro. Okay, technically, there's a little stutter, but no, it was, I no, no, it was no, not about stuttering, not about stuttering. I'll, I'll always probably have a little, you know, whatever. We're not bar down Blackhawk talk anymore. We're oh bar yeah, you did fuck hockey. up. He fucked but, up. But you know, let me let me just get some, something straight. It's gonna be a minute before I like ever get it completely perfect because we've been. This is show thirty three. It's not show two. It's not show three. We've been bar down Blackhawk talk for a long time. And the reason we changed the name, Joe, is because we're not only talking Blackhawks. Like, we're a Chicago-based show. We're going to give the Blackhawks do every single episode. But I don't want people to come in think, like, I have a big New Jersey Devils following on Twitter. Joe, you have a pretty good Boston Bruins set of people who follow you. And if you retweet, they might, you know, we want them to know that we're, we're talking hockey. And, you know, we want Blackhawks fans to be educated and know know what they're watching in terms of the opponent. And I think that's always fun to help people learn about the game of hockey. I see Frankie's wearing a Milwaukee Bucks hat. So we know we know he's always all over the place when it comes to what teams he's watching and what's going on. But his main love is the Blackhawks. So I appreciate that, Frank. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? Smooth. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. I got a question for you guys, though. My, you know my typical intro talking point? Joe, I give you one guess on what I'm going to talk about here. Call of Duty. Nope. Don't give a shit about Call of Duty. That is all that's on my mind that, right now. I gotta, I'm not going to lie. The thing I want to talk about. The thing I'm going to talk about. The... <laughs> I bought you a little present, Joe. And Frank, I got, I got one for you, too. You I've been into chips lately. Shit. It's a topic of conversation. My friends at the bar, uh, Barstool Dog Walk, they drafted chips this week. It was a highly, highly contentious episode. There are some bad chip opinions out there. I'm, I'm just going to say it. Cool Ranch Doritos are delicious. They're not the best Dorito. And so I got one of my favorites right here. Doritos Spicy whoa, whoa, whoa. Nacho. 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I see two XP. I see Okay, some okay, okay. So that's where the present comes in. I'm eating the chips. You so we are talking about Call of Duty. You guys can buy your own damn chips, but I have a code for each of you. All I have right, two bags right. of chips. Oh, I had Joey. When you drop off the I, had, I had Joey and Frankie in mind. I knew they're playing lots of Call of Duty. I know I'm eating chips. But Joe, what are your favorite chips? You said it. It's Cool Ranch Dorito. It's it is a perfect chip, perfect amount of tang, perfect looking bag. Um, a summer day, Cool Ranch Doritos. You, you know, you take it back like when you were a kid at the pool. You know, you had your you just got out of the pool. You got your soggy sandwiches and some some soggy chips from from your hands still being wet, eating the Cool Ranch Doritos. That is the best chip. I saw. Um, I actually saw the graphic that you were talking about of that draft. Number one, one went with those Cape Cod chips. What's that about? Am I missing something here? Okay. Cape Cod chips are awesome. Like, they're good. They are not a first-round chip. Yeah, no. They're, they're It's a good chip, like you it's said. It's a good chip. Like, it's especially... like a steal you get late in the round. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, you can win a draft. You can win a draft late round, some Cape Cod jalapeno-flavored maybe. But like you're you're not that's not a heavy hitter. That's not your superstar offensive quarterback. That's like a left tackle that's gonna you know form a really good offensive line late in the game. Yeah. I have another issue before we get to your favorite chip break. I have an issue with plain chip people. What do you mean? Like just original flavors. Oh no, you got it. There are some tortilla chips. Like, are you talking that kind of plain? Okay, no, no, no. I'm not disrespecting tortilla chips. I'm talking when you're eating chips plain. Like original, like, like original Lay's? Original Pringle, like the red thing of Pringles, yeah, original no. Lay's. No, give me some I like them. I, no, I, I like. What if I like dip them in things? Yeah, Frank, I was just going to say See? you're a dipper. You're a okay, dipper. No, I, like to I dip them in like ketchup or something. I like to dip too. But we're talking about chips. This isn't a chips and dip draft. It's chips. You're eating the chips plain. I like flavor. I agree with Lisa in the chat with the barbecue lays. I love barbecue chips. I'm a hot guy in terms of like flavor. I love hot food. I love hot chips, but barbecue chips are right there for me with hot. So Frank, what's your favorite chip? It's a wild take, but my uh, favorite chip are sun chips. I was gonna say that as a sleeper. That is not a wild take. Those are so wild take. A lot of people like sun chips. They're not I'm my garden salt. My favorite. It's not the even green cold. bag. The green bag is. Well, now there's a new one. It's like sweet, spicy lime or something. It's Ooh. like in a purple bag Ooh. or something. Like and you know what? Shout out shout out to the blue bag of Sun Chips. Vinny was talking about the original flavors. Yeah, like that original flavor Sun Chip is a I've little different it. with Sun there's Chips. No a bad little different with Sun Chips. No, a little different with Sun Chips, though, on the plane. Because it's not like a bland type of plain chip. Like a plain potato chip. I just don't vibe with it. So I, I like the sour cream, the sour cream and onion chips of any flavor, but Scott's dipping your original Lay's in actual sour cream. That's a wild move, my man. No, I could see that being bad. And I'm just going to go ahead and call him out. Frank, you're a dipper. I, I Correct me if I'm wrong. You dip the original Lay's in ketchup and yeah. I tried it. It's, it's great. Give it a try. Scott, yeah. if, if you're not feeling the sour cream, if you're out of sour cream, you know, you got some ketchup in the house. Dip the original Lay's in ketchup. <laughs> Frankie's been doing it for years. I'm on board with it. I uh, there's actually when I have plain chips, I, ha I I don't eat them plain. Usually, I dip them in something like all the time. I'll never just go and have a bag of Lay's plain chips. Like I always have to have something with it. That's fair, but you know what I like about chips? 
I appreciate the conversation that they drive because everybody loves chips. Everybody loves conversing about chips. And we, we could sit here and babble for hours on the different barbecue chips, like ranking our barbecue chips, ranking our sour cream and onion chips. How do you guys feel about salt and vinegar? Love it. I like it. When I was in uh, elementary school at the lunch table, we used to someone, I don't even know what brand they were. They were like real potent sour cream or no salt and vinegar chips. And by I mean potent, we used to put them on our tongue and take a big inhale and you'd be coughing the rest of the lunch hour. <laughs> That's honestly really funny. I, I love sour cream and onion chips. I think it's like an adult chip. Yeah, salt and vinegar. I keep calling them sour cream and onion too. Did I say sour cream and yeah, onion? Yeah, it's like for some reason your brain just wanted, I did the same thing. Okay, so in Canada, they have ketchup chips and they don't taste like ketchup. It's like like barbecue chips, they taste like barbecue chips. They don't really taste like barbecue sauce. They, you know, barbecue chips and barbecue sauce are different. They're modeled after each other. Ketchup chips, I've tried them once in my life, and I remember them being phenomenal. Now, my favorite chip from Canada, you can get them in the United States every now and then, all dressed. Have you ever heard of all dressed chips? Yeah, I've had them. They're good. really good. They're so good. I, I really like chips. What's your guys' takes on Pringles? Pringles, I like them. I don't consider them like if I'm going to go grab a bag of chips, you know, for an event, I'm not grabbing ping Pringles. It's more of like a lunchtime snack. It always always has been that way for me. Have you ever put one Pringle in your mouth at a time? Yeah, I I actually only always put one because if you put like, let's say you have like the little snack size thing of Pringles. If you put like three in your mouth at a time, you're going to be gone with the thing in seconds. Yeah, that's a that's a con to it, but I always normally have more than one. So, um, I have a least other... favorite chip. What's your least favorite chip? Takis. Yeah. I'm gonna chip a open up a whole, you open up a whole new can of worms though, because I love Takis. I love hot Cheetos. They're on my Mount Rushmore. Hot Cheetos are great. Hot Cheetos aren't. I'm not gonna chip a tooth when I eat them. Hot <laughs> they're so hard. Well, now okay. they have the blue Takis too. Yeah, the blue Takis. The blue Takis to me are better than the normal Takis. I've had dill pickle chips before, too. Those are really good. There's something fun about blue Takis, though, that I'm not going to get into too much detail, but I'm sure you can infer what happens to your lower body when you eat blue Takis. You get green poop? It No, it's it's like blue. like, And it's as distinct as any food I've ever eaten in my whole life. So... It, it's definitely no, interesting. That's, that's got to be a lie. Remember those uh, Halloween black bun? The blue Takis are worse. I, I swear to God, I was thinking about those just now, the black Whoppers. I was thinking of the blue Takis or something else. It, the, looks like, it looks like you put soap in the toilet, which is just absolutely well, disgusting. People don't want to hear about Joey's, you know, nighttime trails. So I really enjoy chips. Really quick, honorable mention, Flamin' Hot Cheeto Puffs delicious and normal cheeto puffs yeah mm -hmm. frank you look like you uh you look like you have some something to share some deep dark secret about chips right now like there, there's something in that brain that you're just scared to let out and oh, lay it out give give us your bad chip take we all want to hear it are pretzels <laughs> chips pretzels oh my god don't even get me started on like puffs. i think pretzels are like so overrated overrated yeah, I agree. You don't pick up like to me. Eating is that pretzels, a chip? They're fine. They're fine. But like to me, it's like eating plain Lay's. Like I'd rather flavored chip. 
I was eating pretzels at our cousin's house uh, like a couple weeks ago, and I just kept going back for more, opening the thing and eating them. No one fucking buys pretzels, though. No, like, yeah. when, you, when you're like looking for a chip for yourself, no one buys them. They're just always there. There's always that person that buys them in bulk for everyone to eat. And once they're there, everyone's going to eat them. But no one fucking loves them to the point where you're going to go out of your way to buy them. That's I like I pretzels. Yeah, but I would never buy them or like exactly. that's exactly everyone likes pretzels. Not nothing not to like. It's like it's hard bread with is salt it a chip? on it. It's not really yeah. a chip though. They didn't allow it to be drafted. So yeah, what about I disagree? That's I think chip. I disagree with that premise though. I think the hard pretzels fall into the chip category. You can get them in the chip aisle. Same with the cheeses. See, oh, now we're getting a whole. Now we're getting now. Now we're opening up the whole same whole aisle. Now we're talking about like is a cheese it a cracker or a chip. Like, well, the, the, but the cheeses are like down down the aisle by like away from the chips, but it's yeah. in the same aisle. I know what you're saying. So, I mean, if you if you veto Cheetos or Cheez Its, you gotta veto pretzels. We all agree that Cheetos and hot Cheetos are chips, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting discussion. I'm, I'm telling you, you could do this for days. Um, shout out to I like soft pretzels, though. I, I'm we're not talking chips with soft pretzels. I will go out of my way to buy those. You're at Guaranteed Rate Field, the soft Any pretzel with the warm cheese. Or Auntie Anne's. Ooh, we were talking about malls last week. Love Auntie Anne's. Mm-hmm. So, shout out to Chips. Go get your Call of Duty Double XP. You could get it, you know, no free ads. But Doritos are delicious, so I'll always endorse my pals at Doritos. So, is there anything know- more? Is there anything more like gamer, like stereotypical gamer than your Doritos and Mountain Dew? No, energy drinks maybe like like Red Bull and Monster. Like you watch yeah. Ninja's Twitch streams and he's got like Red Bull in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most of FaZe uses Monster. So mm-hmm. like like just all sorts of stuff all over the map. It's all delicious. Joey and Frankie and I, because it's going to be downloading for me probably not long after the show ends. I'm heading to NIU for Huskies versus Ball State. And I totally think I'm going to have Call of Duty downloading and root to NIU for that football game so that it's ready for me to go when I get back. Shout out to Skyler in the chat complimenting the Husky hockey. Club hockey is college hockey. And with that, let's talk about hockey. I know Joey's got that trigger finger ready to go 14 minutes into the show. Period number one. And welcome to period number one presented by the Barroom Network. I like hockey. Mm-hmm. You like hockey? Love hockey. I could talk about hockey all day, but I could also talk about chips and Call of Duty all day. We're going to be doing all three on this show for a very long time. Um, Frank, this is one of the biggest weeks in Chicago Blackhawks history. Prior to today's show, we spent, I think, two weeks or three weeks talking about the disgusting piggish nasty shit that went on with Stan Bowman at Joel Quinville and Bradley Aldridge and there was just a big stink around the team and then they finally had enough they got smoked last Friday night had no chance against the Carolina Hurricanes or no it was the Winnipeg Jets that smoked them was it Friday Saturday or Friday Maybe it was, it was Friday. Friday. They lost to the Jets Friday. on Friday. Five yeah, days. okay. It was Friday. I had it right the first time. We woke up the next day. Not long into the day, our friend Joe, Barstool Chief, tweets 
the the bird, the Blackhawks bird, like which is his way of telling people that something big is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And that means we you know we knew something big was going to happen and of course it ended up being that Jeremy Colleton was relieved of his duties after a 1-9 and 2 start with the Blackhawks. Frank, before we get into his replacement, some thoughts on Jeremy Colleton really quick before you go though, I'm just going to say he's a nice man. I've heard that from reliable people that I trust. He's a good dude. And a lot of people believe he's a very good hockey coach. And he will be an NHL coach in the long term. He just wasn't right for this Blackhawks roster. His system did not fit the players on this team. The culture following the Joel Quinville stuff, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I believe that. I, I do believe something will come of his career. So go ahead, Frank. So you know the saying, don't fix what's not broken. But in this case, there was a lot of things broken with Colleton as the head coach. So I think his his departure um, was definitely something the Hawks needed. Uh, There was nothing really going on with him behind the bench. The players weren't vibing with him, I don't think. His system stunk with the Hawks. Like you said, maybe he goes to a different team, and the players in that system may work for that team. But for the Hawks, I think it was just time to move on and start a new era. Um, yeah, it may seem like I always tie it back to the Bruins. <laughs> it may seem that way, but there is a very real correlation I can make here. And that's, you look at a guy like Bruce Cassidy, very, very young head coach came into the league in 2002 as a head coach with the Washington Capitals. It didn't work out two years later, 2004. He actually signed on as assistant coach with the Chicago Blackhawks play. It was two years as an assistant coach. Didn't work out. Left the league after the 2004 or 2006 season. Went on to coach many different teams in the AHL, other leagues. Eventually joining the Bruins franchise in 2008. And then working his way up in that franchise. And now is currently the head coach of the Boston Bruins on his second tenure as a head coach in the league. Decades later. And he's doing a phenomenal job. I could see the exact same thing happening with Jeremy Colleton. It didn't work out now. He was super young. He's a super young coach. He's a very good coach, I, I believe. It's just going to take a lot of time and more experience as a head coach to you know really be successful in the National Hockey League. So that's the comparison I'll make. I see a very, very bright coaching future for him, just not yet. I agree with both of you. Now let's think about Jeremy Colleton's tenure as head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. He was fired or he replaced Joel Quinville, who was fired as a 500 head coach early in November of 2018. Okay. Probably should have never fired Quinville at that point in time. They were rolling. They hire Colleton. They start to suck from that point forward. Colleton was stepping into impossible shoes, replacing what at the time was perceived to be a legendary coach. Okay. Then you roll into 2018-19 or 19-20. You start off the season horribly. You make a couple adjustments in an early season game against the Vancouver Canucks and you win. You go on a little bit of a run and make things interesting throughout December and January, but ultimately fall short by the time you get to March. Okay, things are looking up. Boom. COVID-19. Season's paused. It's canceled, inevitably. Then you resume in a bubble. You can't leave. You're stuck in Edmonton. You upset 
Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers in the first round of the bubble. Kirby Doc looks good. Jonathan Taves looks good. They get smoked by the Vegas Golden Knights in the first round of the playoffs in the bubble. And that Golden Knights team ends up going to the Western Conference Finals. We know how good they are. Okay. Then there's disputes on starting the upcoming season. You play all of last season way better than anybody would have thought. Anybody. They ended up falling just short because of some late March issues in the defensive zone and Taves never returned and Kevin Lincoln and fell off a little bit towards the end of last season. Okay. You fall just a little short. You understand why they don't fire Colleton after a season like that, because the Quenville stuff is in the past. Then boom, the Bradley Aldridge stuff. Colleton is in no way, shape or form affiliated with any of that garbage, but there's still the stink left behind as he was a Stan Bowman hire. And the team on the ice was reflecting what was going on off the ice. They stunk. So really, in my opinion, when you combine all that stuff together, it feels to me like Jeremy Carlton was never put in a position to succeed with the Hawks. The best players on the team are multiple-time champions, Selkie Trophy winners, uh, MVPs. There's plenty of high status in the hockey world with the leaders on the Blackhawks. And Jeremy Colleton is younger than all of them. So the system was never going to work. It was never going to work. He needed to be gone. He should have been fired after 0-4-0. and After Stan Bowman was gone, the first move that the new GM should have made was relieving the entire coaching staff of their duties. But they let him hang on for a little bit. It never got better. And I wish Jeremy Colleton well. A lot of Hawks fans are going to hate him forever with blindly looking at, you know, just this season and all that. Paul Maurice comes to mind. Joe, you brought up Bruce Cassidy. Paul Maurice went through the same thing. Now Paul Maurice is one of the best coaches in the NHL with the Winnipeg Jets. So got any response to that? Yeah, I agree. He'll be back in the NHL, and there's no reason for Hawks fans to hate him. It's just sometimes things just don't work out between a coach and a team, especially Frank when you have Joe. a team. Starting with Frank, do you agree with me, though, that just all these things kind of forced Colleton to fail? Yeah, and the, the Hawks made the playoffs um, in the bubble for 2020 when they upset the Oilers. But that's also because their playoffs were expanded to that play-in round. So, like, if that, thing, if that play-in round doesn't exist, they're not going to make the playoffs. So, I mean, you really can't give Colleton credit there. You know what I mean? Um, but – yeah, I agree with you. And, yeah. yeah, there's also, like, you know, Coach Q was loved by this team and by the city. Like, he might have been one of the most loved coaches by the fans in the league at the time when he was fired. So anyone who's going to replace the guy that you love so much, you're just automatically going to have a sour taste on him. So I feel like that's where, where Mike's kind of coming from here in the comments. He agrees with you, Frank, though, So and I do too. Yeah. they. In my opinion, the best coach in the NHL is Mike Sullivan of the Pittsburgh Penguins and he could have came in and replaced Quinville. Everyone would have hated him. So the only thing I'll say to Mike, Jeremy Colleton deserved the chance to be an NHL coach. He was Dockford Icehogs head coach when they made it all the way to the Calder cup final. He was one of the up and coming coaches and he, he will be back. So, you know, I don't mean to sound, I don't mean to sound disrespectful, but like following the AHL, 
you you know about guys like Colleton who are kind of next in line. Yeah, and he'll be back in the NHL, and he will be successful one day. Absolutely. So, who do they replace him with? They replace him with Walter White. <laughs> Derek King comes in. They've won both games in overtime and a shootout. But I'm just telling you, dude, the team looks different. Now, they were dog crap in the third period yesterday. The Penguins outshot them, I want to say, like 20-something to three. Like, it, it was bad. And But outside of that one bad period, third period yesterday, they bend, they didn't break. They're 2-0-0 under Derek King. Joe, your initial thoughts on Mr. White himself. Yeah, it's got to be – you watch some of his post-game interviews and stuff, and the way this guy talks about the team, it's got to be a completely different atmosphere under King opposed to Colleton. And, you know, sometimes that change in voice, change of pace, obviously change in system is good, and I think we're seeing that. I honestly think this is the best thing that needed to happen weeks ago, but, it, I mean, better late than never. Um, I wouldn't throw away this season just yet. I've liked what I've seen from them. Yes, I, I see what you're saying. He looks a little more like uh, Mike from Breaking Bad. Almost. <laughs> if Mike and Walter were like put together. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, so far, so good. Uh, you know, the goaltending has been shap. So uh, let's keep it rolling. Right. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Walter White because I've never seen an episode of Breaking Bad. But as soon as I saw him, I'm like, this dude looks like Walter White. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even kidding. And I just think since he's come, it's lit a fire under the Blackhawks' asses and really gotten things going. I mean, it's only been a sample size of two games, but you could just tell things are different. The way he interacts with the players. I also watched the post game um, after their first win and him in the locker room, the way he just talks to the players. I saw him. They panned him when he was on the bench. He was whispering something in Doc's ear, which is good to see because I never really saw that with uh, Colleton. But it just seems like something's changed for the better. Yeah, so I'm going to ask. There's been two games so far. What do you see as different from the previous, what is it, 10, 11, 12, the first 12 games of the season as opposed to the last two? And then I'll give my thoughts on what I see differently after. Joe, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think Mike has a good point here. It's the laid-back approach. And, you know, you've seen younger guys like uh, Hagel, has played great in these past couple of games. Uh, Seth Jones, we saw him get his first goal yesterday. And, you know, the defense has just been tighter. So I think it, there's a lot of pressure that's been taken off the team, I feel, which is allowing them to play better, if that makes sense. Right? Yeah, defensively, they've looked a lot sharper, besides that third period yesterday. But an interesting fact from the Nashville game, which was Derek King's first NHL game ever, is they held the Predators to 13 shots on goals through the first two periods, which was a season low. So that right there, I mean, you could just tell they want, um, they're just playing low-scoring games. And that's key, I think, because before it's like, oh, all Hawks games are going to go over. Been, there's a lot of goals. But lately, these past two games, it's like it's they've been sharp defensively. And Joey makes a good point with the Seth Jones, and he's been chipping in, and just everything seems to be clicking better on the defense. Yeah, I mean, the players so far have been bought in. Um, I've noticed – I thought Patrick Kane didn't have the greatest game yesterday. A lot of pucks bouncing off his stick, fanning on passes, fanning on shots. He did come up with a sweet assist on a great play on the Seth Jones goal. But, I mean, the entire team as a whole just seems to be more 
together and playing in the the defensive zone better. The breakouts are better. Um, Letting Nashville tie it not long after the Hawks took the lead on Sunday, I was like, oh, boy, here we go again. And then the same thing. And they ended up winning in overtime on a great play by Debrinkit and Kane. And then in overtime yesterday, they almost repeated the exact same play, Debrinkit and Kane, except instead of it being a two-on-o or a two-on-one, it was a two-on-o and Kane hit the crossbar. So, I mean, then you go to the shootout, then anything could happen. I, I hate shootouts. But, you know, they ended up winning it. And their best players have been their best players, but they've also been getting some contributions. You saw a guy like Juhar Kara get his first career and a, or first Blackhawks goal yesterday, not his first career goal. It was his 25th career goal. Really quick comment. I was there in person. He is huge. He's one of the biggest hockey players I've ever seen in person. Interesting. Yeah. And and when you go there, you see how big. I don't know. But when you go there, you see how big Seth Jones actually is, too. Didn't really think about it or realize it when he was with Columbus. He's huge. And Kara's bigger. I can tell just on TV that Jones is big. He's listed at 6'4, 212. Who? And Kara and Seth Jones listed at 6'4, 213. So Jones got a pound on him. Same yeah, that, that's honestly crazy that it lists them as the same height, though, because in person it looked like Kara was bigger. But I don't know. It's an interesting group of players. Mark Andre Fleury played against his old team in the Pittsburgh Penguins yesterday. Frank, what are your thoughts on the flower? Um, well, the first time he played the Penguins, he looked like dog water. But. Uh... <laughs> But yesterday was uh, yesterday was a little bit different, um, and I strongly believe that's to the new system. Um, I mean, you can't blame them. I mean, they they choked a two goal lead in the third, but that's also because the Hawks gave up like twenty shots on goal more than their opponent in the third period. So I mean, that has to be taken into consideration too. I mean, he is still human; he can't stop everything. But um, at the way he's looked lately is way better than he did at the start of the season. And I'm hoping that the flower continues to be like he is now in the long run. I agree. So, and I'm not going to repeat what you just said. I'll just go ahead and talk about Lankanen who got the win against Nashville. And I thought, you know, you mentioned, you know, they held Nashville to a nice low amount of shots. They had 21 shots in the game. He ended up making 20 of those saves. That's like a nine, five to save percentage. Uh, and that's good. You're going to need a good start from your backup in order to be successful. And, Lankinen is the backup. Flurry is, you know, clearly the starter, which Flurry's mask that he, he just came out with. That that is one of the prettiest Blackhawks masks I've ever seen a goalie wear for this team. Just wait till you go to a there. game. Wait till you go to a game. Because that mask, those like designs on it with like the old the like heritage looking uh, feathers. feathers and all that. The Blackhawks before the game now play an entire intro mantra, whatever you want to call it. Um, honoring the different tribes that led to Chief Blackhawk finding his way to Illinois, like the Miami tribe. And, you know, but I'm not going to try and, you know, disrespect any of these names by saying I'm wrong. But, I mean, it is awesome the way they're honoring the heritage of where their name comes from. And good on them because it's about time they do something that makes the organization not look like a complete trash bag. So, and Flurry's mask is like, those symbols that they use in mm-hmm. the videos and on the big screen. I should have taken a picture of it. I don't know if I did, but it was freaking sweet. So back to what you were saying about the goalies. 
Yeah, both both goalies under these two wins have looked great. So I mean, that's going to be a big part of being successful for this team is the goaltending. So, in my opinion, the best player on the ice yesterday for either team was Seth Jones, and he was all over all three zones. He scored his first goal as a Blackhawk. He was on the ice for Kara's first goal. I believe if third assists were a thing, he would have gotten it. Can't remember, but he was he's he's an interesting defenseman because he's so big and he's so powerful and he's so strong, but you'll find him down low in the offensive zone, like a lot. And so I saw a graphic from Colby Cohen, who does the Blackhawks intermission report. Um he had like a graphic that like put a red line following Jones's path around the ice. And on the goal that he scored, there was red all over the offensive zone. It was like nothing I've ever seen before. And then he found Patrick Kane, skated into a spot where he could accept a pass and walk right in, and he scored. And so, you know, Mike brings up his contract. His contract hasn't even kicked in, man. Yeah. He's still on the Columbus deal. Like, that starts next year. And we all know what kind of player Seth Jones can be, and it's exactly what you saw yesterday. Like, we know how good Seth Jones is. It's just a matter of if he's going to get back to that. Yesterday was a step in that direction. So was Colleton's man system bad for him? Yeah, clearly. (laughs) Everything about his system with this team was bad. Exactly. So now Seth Jones might be able to succeed in a way that he can succeed. So, Frank, what do you like about Seth Jones? Uh, I like that he's been chipping in offensively a little bit more. Like you said, that offensive zone, I saw the same graphic briefly, I think. Um, And that was, I mean, when you're a defenseman, you want to be more than just the defenseman. You just don't play defense. I mean, there are those defensemen who are defensive defensemen, but then you got those offensive defensemen. And I think with Seth Jones' talent, he needs to chip in a little bit more on offense. And, I mean, that laser beam he scored – I mean, that thing was just a rocket. It was beautiful. Um, so I think we need to see more of that from Seth Jones going forward. You want to hear a crazy stat about the Penguins in Chicago? I don't know if any of you guys saw this. Um, yeah, I know. They, obviously, they don't play them that often. You know, Eastern Conference, Western Conference. They only might make the trip to Chicago once a year. But they haven't had a lead in Chicago since February 27th, 2009. Yeah, they, they said the, the most bizarre thing I've ever heard is I see Vinny's face right now, and he's trying to think of a time in Chicago when the no. Penguins were winning. No, I mean I, I completely believe it. That is like, crazy. But like there was uh, there were those years where like when Crosby and Malkin were the two best players in the NHL, and you know having them with guys like Chris Kunitz and Christopher Latang, who was pretty good yesterday too. Um, you know, I'm Pascal Dupuis, even guys like Jake Gensel now, like you never held the lead once in Chicago. I, I know they never led at the stadium series game we were at. The Hawks smoked them in that game. But like the Hawks have been bad for a couple of years now. And the points have maintained pretty good play since winning the Stanley Cup in back-to-back years. They're not a cup team quite as much anymore. But I mean, that's honestly shocking. Yeah. Hey, so, I like that. Which one's which one's actually Walter White? That's the main question here. I honestly cannot tell. 
all three of those men, for those listening to the podcast, there's a graphic of um, Derek King, Walter White, and Joey Parisi, and they all look identical to each other. I thought they were all Walter White. I yeah, kind of did too at first. As far as I'm concerned, it's just the same picture. Yeah. Just different <laughs> angles. Yeah. Yeah. What is the ceiling of the Blackhawks this season, Joe? Playoffs. I think, you know, we're so early into the season. You look at the standings and it's not impossible. You know, the way they're playing under a new coach, uh, the way you need your top guys to play, Taves getting points, Kane's getting on the board, you're getting goals from Hagel, and now Seth Jones is starting to, you know, find his game. Uh, you're going to need more of that from the de- from the defense that we saw yesterday in the game before. Flurry, good games from Lincoln. In. If all those things work out like they're supposed to, yeah, obviously you're not going to win every game. But, you know, beat the teams that are not as good as you on most given days, then you can make the playoffs. You look at the standings now and, you know, they have three wins. They're at eight points. Just keep winning. There's a lot of hockey left. Keep winning and don't worry about anyone else. And I honestly think this team could still make the playoffs. Frank? Yeah, the Hawks we've saw in the past two games are the Hawks that everybody expected to see right out of the gate to start the season. So, I mean, now with Derek King as head coach and they look a little bit better, I think now those expectations preseason are coming full circle right now. Like, you have to maintain those expectations. I think the Hawks still could make the playoffs. They brought in Derek King to stop the bleeding. The bleeding has stopped. So now you just got to move forward. And these, the way the Hawks have looked is the way I thought the Hawks would look right off the bat. So you just can't slow down. You, you had two crucial, crucial wins that you needed to win. I mean, you just you can't afford to lose any uh, games you're leading. And they were leading in both games. So you can't throw away points. Keep the foot on the gas. And hopefully playoffs is in the future. I want to agree with both of you. But I don't. They're three, nine, and two. They are seven points out of a playoff spot. The Colorado Avalanche and Vegas Golden Knights haven't even gotten it going yet. The Kings are currently holding a playoff spot. The Ducks have played well. The Sharks have played well. I don't think they're catching St. Louis, Minnesota, or Winnipeg. So we were looking at the wild card now. Okay, let's look at it. The Sharks and Kings currently hold the two spots. Vegas is right behind. They'll be in that spot in no time. The Avalanche, to me, are the, the X factor here because they're supposed to be the best team in the league and they're 4-5-1. and one. So I, I don't think the Kraken are going to climb too much. Dallas will be middling. Vancouver will be middling. Nashville will be middling. The th- All three California teams will be middling. So there's a chance that a big run by the Hawks could get them in, but I don't know. They're, they're in such a big hole already like a seven-point hole, and they have two games in hand on every team, basically. They're about to play one game in their next five days. Like, if they make the playoffs, Derek King's coach of the year because they already announced that he's finishing out the season as the interim, and they will do an extensive coach's search after the season's over. That could lead to King getting the full-time hire. That's not being dismissed. But I will be stunned if that happens in a good way. And I know I sound pessimistic and this and that. Three, nine, and two. And we're talking about playoffs. I mean, guys, they won two in a row for the first time this season, a month and a half in. I just think there's a lot of time left. And 
It's know, not impossible. A coaching change no changes so much. The St. Louis Blues were in worse shape. I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I will be surprised if that happens. I hope it does. I'm going to games. I wore my jersey there yesterday. It was exciting. It was good to see the United Center have a little life probably for the first time in a couple weeks here, besides when the Chicago Bulls are playing because everyone's just seeing red. Um, I, I can't help but but hope that – I can't help but hope just be hopeful that this happens. But the fact that Vegas and Colorado still are looking to get in those spots and they're looking to get going and – we're going to talk about Vegas in a minute here. And, you know, just when some of their injuries come back in time for the stretch run, they're going to be tough. In my opinion, Vegas is the best team in the league now when healthy. And go Hawks. I, I, ho- I hope I'm wrong. Uh, one thing that's going to, you know, one thing that's going to play a huge factor in if it's possible or not is they got to win games on the road. They, they obviously haven't won on the road yet. They have a big road trip coming up after this this upcoming game that we're about to talk about. Um, it's gonna it's a tough one with the way some of those teams are playing. Uh, we'll be previewing that next week, but I, I mean, I'll just go ahead and make quick mention. They're going to face Seattle, which you should beat Seattle, the way Seattle's been playing. Then you got Edmonton, who's been playing good. Vancouver's been playing better than everyone expected. And Calgary, who's on fire. So that's a tough road trip, but if you can come out of that road trip with some wins, and then assuming you can beat the Coyotes on Friday, this is a completely new season two weeks from now when we're talking about it. Seattle kind of made it where we can't call it the Western Canada road trip anymore when you play Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver because they're almost always going to hit Seattle now too. So we're just going to call it the Pacific Northwest road trip now. If they come out of that road trip 3-1-0, and Frank, then, after then, beating then, the Coyotes, after beating the Coyotes, so let's the assume they go into that road trip four nine and two. Then you come out with three wins out of four against Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Calgary. Then you start might you might start to see my two change a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Edmonton, they suffered a tough loss yesterday to that up and coming Detroit team that I tried to warn you about before the season started, and. You know, but Edmonton could drop nine. Connor McDavid has a chance to score five goals every single game. They don't all go in, but he has a chance to score five every single game. And so he's going to be tough to contain. He's probably licking his chops looking at that Blackhawks defense. But the system has changed, so maybe he's not licking his chops as much anymore. But Calgary's tough. They better smoke Seattle. I mean, if they beat Arizona and Seattle, like a four-game winning streak is not out of the realm of possibility. So then all of a sudden you're at 12 points and you're still not in a playoff spot. So like, that, that's what I mean by like, it's so hard to make up ground. And so I hope they just keep winning. Cause if they keep winning, they're obviously going to make to the postseason. But I mean, at three, nine and one, I'm not ready to just say they're like that. The playoffs is their is their end goal right now. Mm-hmm. Like just play well. And the playoffs will come if you deserve it. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's got to be their focus, just taking a game at a time. You know, that road trip's going to be huge, and they know that going into it. you got to win on the road in the NHL. Both of you, Joey, then Frankie, is that road trip as difficult, in your opinion, as it is in mine? Oh, it's going to be one tough road trip. You know, like, like you said, Edmonton, I think they are 
you know, they could potentially win the Stanley Cup this year. That's how good they've been playing. Uh, Calgary is just not cooling down. They are on fire, no pun intended. And uh, Vancouver is exceeding expectations all around. You know, Demko has been amazing. <laughs> so when you play a hot goalie, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, it, it's It might be one of the toughest road trips that you can take in the NHL right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Even Vancouver surprised me last night against the Ducks. They were down 2-0 against the Ducks, and they stormed back to force mm-hmm. overtime. I was shocked. Yeah. It's going to be a lot tougher than people think. It's the goalie. Like, and Markstrom, he's just sizzling. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Markstrom is awesome. And you guys, you guys pooped right down Markstrom's throat with the NHL rankings before the season came out. We didn't how poop wrong, on it. How, I mean, wrong, how wrong were you, goons? I guess uh, EA knew something that I didn't. EA still bad at making the ratings, but do you agree with that? Yeah, they suck. Um, yeah. So you you brought it up. Arizona's the only game before our next show, which is just banana lands. Do you ever recall that happening, Joe? I know it doesn't happen with baseball, obviously, but like with hockey, it's like, has there ever been a team who only had one game between now and our next show? I'm like. With the teams that we talk about, the Bruins have had to do it twice so far this year because they don't just they don't play hockey. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Whenever the Bruins play, I'm like, oh yeah, they exist. Exactly. Like I don't get it. They went last week. I look at the all schedule. Right, all right, all right, all right. We're gonna talk about the Bruins later. <laughs> to start the season, they played one game in like twelve days. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. The Devils did the same thing though, too. You might remember Seattle was playing their. Seattle was playing their sixth game of the season against the Devils, who were playing their second game of the season. So, Frank, what do you like in the Arizona game? Um, well, it's a must-win, first off. I mean, the Coyotes are bad, and I don't think they're underperforming. I just – that's who I think they are. I think they're away bad. all their players. I know, exactly. Garland and Ekman Larson are on Vancouver. Kemper's gone. Like, you know, Kemper's not doing that good. He's a good goalie, though. Like, they, yeah, I agree with you. You you beat the Predators and then you beat the Penguins. There's no you cannot lose to the Coyotes. It is a must win. I think they actually blow them out. I think the Hawks are scoring six. Honestly, I could see like a six to two, six to one final. Um, you just you got to exploit their defense because it's not very good, in my opinion. I agree with you. I'm uh, I'm not going to talk too much about the Coyotes right now. I'm going to I want to mention them later. So I'm going to save that. If you want to hear what I think about the Coyotes, stay tuned. Um I do think the Hawks will beat them. Uh, okay. That's that's pretty much all I'll say. Yeah, so Joey's story for later obviously has something to do with the Coyotes, which is interesting. So, you know, that's the next game for the Hawks before the, you know, before our next show. So it'll be the only game they play for us to talk about. Um I'm excited about it, though. I would like to go. I'm looking into going. Um, it should be a, a good time catching Arizona. Um, top three jersey in the NHL for me. I know Joey's not a big fan of the Kachina jerseys, but I love them. I can't wait to see the white ones in action at the United Center. Um, make sure you're tuning in because the Hawks are going to start trying to turn this ship around both on and off the ice. And as disgusting and devastating as those, you know, papers with the information on it were, 
hopefully everybody's able to move onward and upward as an organization and same with Kyle beach. And, you know, there's going to be more that comes out of it. We're going to have to be forced to talk about. I know John Doe too spoke out now. So like there's a whole new can of worms with that. But I mean, as far as the, on the ice product, the, the new coach, I think has a chance to help turn this team around. Yeah. Um, you guys want to talk Vegas? Let's talk Vegas. Period number two. Welcome to period two, where we're going to talk about something very special. Not special, but very big. It, it's probably the biggest move of a single player that the NHL has seen via trade since that 15-minute window where P.K. Subban was traded for Shea Weber and Taylor Hall was traded for Adam Larson. Like, has there been a bigger trade since this? And, we're, of course, we're talking about Jack Eichel was finally traded out of Buffalo to the Vegas Golden Knights. Joe, do you agree with me that's the biggest trade since that season? Um, Obviously, there's free agents and stuff like Tavares changed teams. Yeah, it probably is. Like, I think we're gonna look at this trade, you know, a year from now, and and kind of not not like question it because I think it was a pretty good trade. But I mean, we're gonna be. I have a feeling we're gonna look at Jack Eichel in that Vegas Golden Knights jersey and the lineup that they're able to produce on the ice, and we're gonna be like, how did this happen? (laughs) <laughs> this team is so new, and now they got Jack Eichel tearing it up. A healthy Jack Eichel who, oh, when this guy's healthy, it's just, that sucks for Buffalo. They lost a guy like this. It sucks for the circumstances, but, like, man, Vegas, they just, they get it done. And I'm I'm a little worried for the league with Jack Eichel on this team. I'm not going to lie. I think so highly of Jack Eichel. I'm excited. He, he, he made me this trade made me not dislike the Vegas Golden Knights as much as I did before. I was not a fan of the Golden Knights. I hate that everyone loved them. I hate how good they were off the bat. But I love Jack Eichel so much. And I'm so high on this kid that part of me wants to see him hoist that cup in a Vegas Golden Knights jersey. Right. Well, the Knights are already good. What are you going to say? something? I was going to say from a Vegas point of view. Yeah, from a Vegas point of view, the Knights were already good without him. I mean, they're a little injured right now, but wait till they're healthy. Like Joey said, oh, my God, they're going to be really, really good. Um, they're going to be playoff cont- or Stanley Cup contenders, too. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them hoist the cup in the next three, four years or so. Um, just wait till he plays. He's going to bring that new aspect to a team. It's just – I can't even put it into words right now, but it's going to be like – you're going to see like legendary things from him, I think, on the Vegas Golden Knights. I couldn't agree more. And when Vegas first came into the league, okay, they were the Golden Misfits, right? That's how everybody perceived them. Wild Bill was a scrap he pick up off the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, no one wanted Riley Smith's bad contract anymore because he was making seven mil. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault, they gave him to Vegas, Florida. For to take Riley Smith's bad contract, okay. Mark Andre Fleury, they chose Matt Murray over him. Pittsburgh, <laughs> Matt Murray's not even with Pittsburgh anymore. Um, 
Shea Theodore. He's the one defenseman that the Ducks decided to like say see ya to. I'm trying to think of the other impact players on that big season. Uh, even that fourth line with guys like Carrier and Nosek and Revo, like they they were just all a bunch of like middling players. Like wow, Bill scored forty. Like they were awesome that year. That line, but then they kind of dropped the Golden Misfits mantra. Okay. They made a trade for Max Pacioretty. They traded a top prospect to get him. Um, then they made a trade for Stone. Stone and Pacioretty are amazing. And it's like, okay, this is that Golden Misfits team plus two elite players, Pacioretty and Stone. Well, now they have Eichel. That Golden Misfits crap is gone. See ya. They are an elite team in the NHL. They're going to be very good for a long time. And I think they fleeced Buffalo. I think they fleeced them. Buffalo did not get a good return for Jack Eichel because the Pagulas refused to retain a penny of his contract. And it's honestly disgusting what I'm seeing. I I just hope Vegas terrorizes everyone and says, ha-ha, F you to the whole league for allowing this to happen. I'm sorry. Every team in the NHL should be disgusted with this trade. Absolutely flabbergasted that a team like the Vegas Golden Knights, who went healthy, is already the best team in the league, and yet a top 10 center like Jack Eichel who could have 100 points in any given season. Now, he's hurt right now. He's getting The reason he got traded was because Buffalo didn't let him get that neck surgery. He's having a Friday, I believe. He's confident he'll be back in for the three months from having the surgery. He wants the Olympics. That, the, he, you, this dude is... Are you this, thinking about what is exactly three months from now, basically? No, I don't even care about the Olympics. I'm thinking he about does. this team. I'm thinking about the Vegas Golden Knights getting Jack Eichel back for a playoff run this year. Mm-hmm. And without without Stone and Pacioretty so far, they're seven six and zero. Oh. They have fourteen points. They played thirteen games. They're one game out of a wild card berth. They've been treading water without those two players. Now Wild Bill's hurt. Okay, mm-hmm. well what happens when you add Jack Eichel, Wild Bill, Max Pacioretty, and Mark Stone? Four basically four basically elite players. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you consider Wild Bill elite. I do because of what he does on both ends of the ice. Like, he might not score 40, but if he scores 25 and is like a top 10 Selkie guy, that's an elite player in my opinion. And he's probably the best penalty killer in the NHL. Nobody talked about it. Um, Yeah, those th- that's like a core of a Stanley Cup team that's just on the injured list. The injured reserve list in the NHL could win the Stanley Cup because of those four. And I cannot believe that this happened. They uh, Buffalo should be ashamed of themselves. Sabres fans should be disgusted with what has gone on with their franchise over the last however many years. Jack Eichel's the first NHL player who's going to receive this specific surgery that he wanted. I can't think of the the MMA fighter who got it, and he's back fine. Jack Eichel's going to be a new player with this surgery, and the Sabres are going to be like, we couldn't let the kid get the surgery? Are you shitting me? Like, um, you want to see? What the hell are they talking about? He made his first appearance in Vegas yesterday. He arrived. I oh, know I know who he hung out with. But no, I don't know. What you, I don't know what that is. What do you mean? Oh, who did he hang out? Who did he hang out? I, with? I saw a picture of him with Robin Leonard. Oh, nice. Well, he was everywhere. He was literally everywhere. He got the the crowd going for this game to open up against the the Kraken, and you know, just you look at their Twitter all day. Um. He was there getting them going before the game. He, I'm trying to find it. He, uh, they put on like a show for him when he pulled up to the hotel. See, there he is playing with kids in the street. Like, 
it was amazing. He did a, a thing, and then after the game, he was giving everyone fist bumps as they were coming off the ice. Like, he is just a part of this team now. It's exciting. Uh, this Twitter's not working, but you get what I'm saying. And how do I – yeah, there we go. Uh, I'm trying to find – I'll try to find it while you guys are talking. But, like, he gets out of the car, and there is literally, like, a street show, a Vegas street show welcoming him out of the car and, like, they had a whole marching band and everything. It honestly was electric. Every player is going to watch it and be like, I kind of want to get traded to Vegas because, like, they are treating this guy like royalty as they should. Can we confirm he's wearing number nine? It, it looked like that jersey playing with the kids was a nine Eichel jersey. If he's number nine with Vegas, I'm getting a jersey. <laughs> I will wear an Eichel jersey on this show. I assume he would be. Why number would he wear nine, that's nine? Well, he was, he was nine at BU, and then freaking Evander Kane was wearing number nine with Buffalo when he first came in, so he had to be 15 for a couple years. And then when Evander Kane got traded to the San Jose Sharks, he switched back to nine. And so he's been nine ever since with Buffalo, and if he's nine on Vegas, I'm getting a sweater. I'm with Joey. I'm a Vegas guy now. Go Vegas. Like I want, I want them to make every team in the NHL so pissed at Buffalo because I want Buffalo to be good so bad. That is a great, great sports town. They support their bills. They're burn. They're jumping into burning tables and whatnot. The stuff that those people deal with, with weather, and like just kind of being a stinky place to live. Unless you really like chicken wings, I love chicken wings. Um, that Sabres team needs to be good, and they're the only team in the NHL that hasn't been good even once in the last ten years. Not once. The Kraken and the Golden Knights. The Kraken aren't that good, but they're better than Buffalo. So I don't know. I I, I hate it. It's looking like he's gonna wear number nine. I mean that he's wearing a, a number. Yeah, nine. I don't. I don't think he wouldn't. He wouldn't wear. He wouldn't have had that Vegas Golden yeah. Knights number nine Eichel jersey if he wasn't wearing that, wear that, number nine. That's what I'm thinking. So you th- think about Vegas's lineup, though. You, you, I mean, your top six is gonna be. Eichel's going to be centering Stone and Pacioretty, I would assume. Mm-hmm. And then who was centering that line before? Who am I forgetting? Because the second line is Riley Smith, Jonathan, Jonathan Marshall, and Wild Bill. But who was the center of the top line? Is it Stastny? Um, I, think I didn't it's... think Stastny, was it? I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, this Twitter is like so bugged. Um, it, it, I think it's been kind of a few different players. Yeah, I mean, but regardless, you have a top six that includes Stone, Pacioretty, Eichel, Wild Bill, uh, Marshall, and Smith. You're cooking. Just wait until they're all Exactly. And then they're rolling out, like, really good. Like, they have Alex Petrangelo. Nobody talks about Peter Angelo playing for that team. And they have an elite goalie in Leonard. Like, oh, Vegas is so good. Those fans are so lucky. I I need to get to Vegas really bad because everybody should just enjoy them for – Basically playing with the league's food. They are 10 times smarter. They're the Patriots of the NHL, and they're five years old. I love Vegas. Was it – um? was Alex Tuck a center? I believe he could do both. But he, but he, he wasn't, wasn't like, centering the first line. Yeah, no, no, no. He was on their third line, I think. But Alex third Tuck's a good fourth, player. Yeah. And apparently he grew up, like, really wanting to play for the Buffalo Sabres. So good on him. I hope he helps them turn the Sabres around, but – yeah, you got to also like, yeah, regardless if you grow up a Sabres fan or 
you got to feel bad for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. You go from having a chance to get your name on the cup to, like, getting your name on the lottery trophy again. Yeah. I don't know. This trade, it shocked me. I woke up to it. I don't know about you guys. It got done overnight. Um, and, like, the part – I stay up really late pretty much every night. It was the part of overnight where even I'm sleeping. So – it's crazy that it got done that way. Um, I'm happy for Jack Eichel. I hope he gets healthy soon. I want him to play in the Olympics. Frankie's going to have to be the moderator of the show when we start talking Olympics more in depth once December comes along because me and Joey are just going to scream at each other. <laughs> but if Eichel's healthy, ready to go, Team USA has a shot, and I will say that to any person in the world. Um, It'll help their odds, but I, honestly, like when – when I uh, made my opinion about Team USA in the Olympics and if they could win it all, I kind of just already figured Jack Eichel into the conversation. So I, I don't know. If, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a slight on USA. I just think everyone else or some other teams are too good. So I only think one team is better on paper. I think USA is better than Finland, Sweden, and Russia. I you don't? don't? Know. No, I really don't. Interesting. Well, I'm happy for Jack. I hope he gets to play for Team USA. I said that already. Um, we'll talk Olympics more than anyone would ever want to hear later down the line. But you have any closing thoughts on the Jack Eichel trade, either of you, Joe? I'm excited for this kid to, uh, to you know, make his debut. I'll be rooting for the Knights, that's for sure. Frank? Um, well, from a Buffalo standpoint, getting Alex Tuck is a, a, a nice little addition. It doesn't replace the hole that Eichel leaves, but um, I just think Buffalo's kind of screwed, at least for this year. Unless I mean, they like, really hit on one of those draft picks. Like, yeah, well, this year. But what like, if Vegas is picking 32, though? Then that first-round pick is basically a second-round pick. Yeah. They got two conditional picks from Vegas. And so. I, believe, I believe the first-round pick is top 10 protected. So if yeah, Vegas falls off a cliff mm-hmm. – Buffalo doesn't even get the pick. Now, I think Buffalo was okay with accepting that stipulation because they know Vegas isn't going to be a bottom 10 team. They will finish higher than 22nd in the league standings. They've had a bad start, and they still sit 19th. So that's not going to happen. Really quick, for Buffalo, you made me think of this, Frank. It's just sad for the franchise in general. Because he's like the face. He's mm-hmm. everything to them. He's their best player. He's probably the best. He's probably the one of the most skilled players they've ever had. And he had a chance to like grow a legacy there unlike any other. He was like their a captain. Championship, a yeah. And then they stripped him of the C though. Mm-hmm. But like before that, he like looked like the type of guy who was going to go in there and like change everything. And then they won the Rasmus Dahlin draft lottery and like we're we're looking really good, and it's just a mess there. And that place needs to figure it out because I'm sick and tired of watching Buffalo be trash. You yeah, probably think a- it's funny, Joe, but I, I don't. I do. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> being a Sabres fan, that's got to be tough. Because when I think of Jack Eichel, I think of a leader, and then when I compare that to like my knowledge, I think of Taves. And if that were to happen with Taves, I'd be heartbroken. So I can't imagine like what the Buffalo fans are going through. Okay, you'd be heartbroken with it happening to Taves now. 
Imagine if it happened in 2008. I know. Right. Like, oh my God. So, so it's tough for them. They got One Jeff Skinner and Kyle Oposo leading the way, though. Yeah, okay. One thing a lot, not a lot of people are talking about, though, that I'm really excited about. Do you remember who went right ahead of Jack Eichel in the 2015 NHL draft? Yeah, Connor McDavid. They are in the same division now. That is awesome. Mick Eichel is back. And they're going to play each other more than twice a year. It's going to be so fun. I love Mick Eichel. Uh, you know, every time those two teams played, I remember it was like one of the one times when NBC still had the broadcasting rights. It was one of the short t- few times that a Canadian team would be on NHL on NBC because McDavid versus Eichel is just that awesome. So I can't wait to see these guys go at it once again when Jack is healthy. Hopefully he's able to get this surgery done and in the past and lead the Vegas Golden Knights to glory because I do see it coming. Totally. And with that, <laughs> I know Joey is ready for period number three. And in period three, I would like to know Joey and Frankie's initial thoughts on the fact that Anaheim Ducks GM Bob Murray is now on a leave because of an investigation being conducted. Joe? Uh, yeah, I actually don't know the full details. I saw that. Um I want to say it's for uh, all I saw was like professional conduct. So I don't know the exact details on why he's on leave or what he did wrong. Um, It's interesting, but if you have more details, I would love to know them. So what, well, cause I, I wasn't very well educated in this topic either. This just became aware to me recently. So I did a little bit of research and from my knowledge, I believe it has to do with him throwing a chair at a TV stage manager. Is that correct? Yeah, I didn't injuries. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about a chair, but I heard that I heard that he was he was. I believe you because what I heard was it was just like extreme anger and him just being a fucking asshole all the time, and like there were former executives in NHL hockey ops texting some of the insiders, like literally calling Bob Murray an asshole. So that wouldn't surprise me even slightly. And the fact that they're going with an investigation, they wouldn't be doing like a thorough investigation if he like hurt someone's feeling for calling him a butthole. Mm-hmm. Like he, it, w- it would have to be something like extensive like that. So that's banana lands actually. What a fuck. Yeah. And it caused her injuries, like physical injuries. A woman who threw the chair. Yeah. I, and I don't know, like how did I know. Did he throw it at her? Or did he just throw a chair and it hit a woman? I thought he threw it at her because he was arguing. Wasn't he throwing it in at Joey's her? world? Or, that makes a difference. Because he was <laughs> doesn't make a difference. Because I'm pretty sure he was like yelling at somebody. So I just don't think he just threw it like randomly. I'm pretty sure. I know she had to get treated for her injuries. It doesn't make a difference, Vin. It just makes it like a little more okay to like find it humorous that some guy got angry and threw a chair if he threw a chair like just out of anger like well, you're a clown what are you doing if he threw a chair like directly at someone like with the intent to hit them with the chair then yeah you don't laugh at that that's kind of a scumbag move <laughs> just getting angry and throwing a chair like like what are you doing guy yeah so and you know what bob murray's been good at his job which when it doesn't like take away from people's assholeness when they're good at their job it just annoys the shit out of me when you're like that good at something and you like just throw it all away to be a fuck. 
And like, that's the type of shit that pisses me off. Yeah. And you say he's good at his job. So I'll just go ahead and bring this up right now. We are in the third period. We're going to talk a lot about the NHL. Uh, I want to mention a young stud by the name of Troy Terry, who is just on a tear right now. I love this kid. He he's on a tear. The, he's on a tear, a Troy Terry. We know I was thinking about this earlier today. Troy Terry, you think of some great ducks in the in the the whole France, the history of the franchise. I think of Corey Perry. I think Troy Terry could be the next Corey Perry over in Anaheim. I think this kid's awesome. He won it in overtime yesterday. He's currently on like an amazing some point streak or something. I believe it's it's probably I think it's up to twelve games now, depending on if he if he uh, yeah. I think he's on a 12-game point streak to start this season. So, I mean, this kid is just on a tear. So, talk about good moves from the Anaheim Ducks GM. That's one of them. Do you remember what got him famous? Yeah, I believe it's uh, he did what TJ Oshie did for Team USA in the shootout for, like, a world championship or something. It was the World Juniors. The World Juniors. And, like... He's as good as TJ Oshie in the shootouts. He scored. I, I can't remember who they were playing. Maybe it was the Wild. They were playing a game and they went to a shootout. Like, there's Terry. Boom, scores. <laughs> it, like, it's autumn, like, and he, when you watch him play at five on five, he kind of plays like TJ Oshie as well. So that's my NHL comparison for him. TJ Oshie was a stud for a long time. He's still a really good player. Troy Terry has a chance to maybe even be better, but with similar skill sets. Frank, do you know anything about Troy Terry? Or do you have any thoughts on Bob Murray really quick before we wrap up the Ducks? Um, Troy Terry is a great uh, player, obviously. Good young stud. Uh, nothing but good things in the future for him. But uh, one more thing on Bob Murray. If you're in that leadership position, like obviously like, you, you can't be doing what he did. Like what do yeah, you, you gotta- think? You gotta control your shit. Man. Like, what do you like? <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't even throw a chair at, at someone, let alone like the GM. Yeah. I mean, that's just. It was. I was boggled when I even read about it. It's always amazing to me because I find it very easy to not be an asshole. Like, I find it. It's one of the easiest things in the world to me. Like, it's as easy as cutting a slice of cake, and just not be a fucking dick. And it just proven to me time and time again that not everybody finds it as easy as I do. So I don't, I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I know. And we know you're watching Bob. So take notes. <laughs> yeah, Bob. Fuck you. Don't you throw chairs. Don't throw chairs at women, you asshole. Yeah. Joe. At anyone. Don't throw chairs at anyone. <laughs> give your thoughts on the Boston Bruins. I'm first. Yep. All right, well, I'll segue here. I'll do a a nice segue. We're going to talk about the Bruins, but first I want to talk about the Ottawa Senators, who the Bruins just beat yesterday. And the reason I want to talk about the Ottawa Senators because they just named their first captain since Eric Carlson in Brady Kachuk. Uh, I think Brady Kachuk, I think very highly of Brady Kachuk. (laughs) Excuse me? Did you see that? (laughs) I I think everyone saw that. Bob Murray saw that. Um. I think very highly of Brady episode, Kachuk. That's why I'm doing it. I think very highly of both Kachuk brothers. I think they were born to be NHL leaders. Uh, and honestly, I, I like watching Brady play. I think he, he was energetic yesterday in the 3-2 loss to Boston. Um, I'm, I'm very happy for them. And I think, uh, I think Ottawa has a bright, bright future with some of their young players. 
that don't think uh, Matt Murray's the guy for them, but you never know where they'll go. Now, speaking of the Bruins, it was good to see them beat the Ottawa Senators because regardless of the future that Ottawa has, uh, right now this is a team that the Bruins should get two points out of. And being a division rival, you don't want them to get that extra point. They were able to get it done in regulation. Uh, it was actually the first goal allowed by the Bruins. Ottawa got off to a red-hot start. But, you know, the Bruins stayed poised. Brad Marchand is just – he does something magical every time he touches the puck. Uh, you know, that top line kind of took control. Charlie McAvoy was as physical as ever. He's kind of uh, – I saw some comparisons on Twitter.com yesterday to uh, Charlie McAvoy just being – one of the most hard defensemen to play against physically in the entire NHL. So it's good to see that. It's good to see him getting engaged. Uh, but with that being said, the Bruins really got to, you know, be more consistent. I want them to build off this win. I didn't like anything that I saw playing in Toronto um, on Saturday for uh, hockey night in Canada. The Leafs were the better team. Austin Matthews is my father. And, uh, yeah, honestly, it all comes down to this Bruins team being better on the road. They've yet to lose at home. I know Vinny's laughing. They have yet to lose at home, which is good. But like we talked about with the Hawks needing to win on the road, I want to see that same thing coming from the Bruins here. And their next road game is against your New Jersey Devils, Vin, on Saturday. So go ahead and send it over to the New Jersey Devils. Really quick, I want people to know I was eating dinner a couple nights ago and I had the Leafs playing the Bruins on the TV. And all of a sudden, Joey comes upstairs during the intermission and the first thing out of his mouth with a big old smile on his face. When Joey's normally like pissed during the Bruins, I don't know if he's just getting older and more mature. Like old Joey would have just not came up. I was hungry. Was, I had to come up. I had no smiling. Choice. He was smiling and said, don't even fucking look at me. And it was the funniest thing I've ever experienced in my hockey watching time with Joey. Like that made me laugh so hard. And he knows Pablo's my guy. Pablo, we, we saw some Matthews nickname on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Um, I love the guy. And I I just think it's hilarious that he like owned the Bruins right after Joey said he was 0% chance scared of the Leafs. So you should be scared of the Leafs. They're a Stanley Cup contender, just like I said from the beginning of the season. I didn't care when they went on a little bit of a slump. They are awesome. Which brings me to the New Jersey Devils, who yesterday – Shocked me more than I have ever been shocked by them in my entire life. I'm being dead serious. When they went to the Stanley Cup final in 2012, at least they were a good team. They were a cup contending team. So like them making it to the Stanley Cup final wasn't that shocking. In 2018, I was shocked when they made the playoffs, but you started to expect it slowly but surely as the season went along. Yesterday was the single most shocked I ever was at a New Jersey Devils outcome. I thought the Florida Panthers were going to smoke them. I thought it was going to get ugly because the New York Rangers the night before were up four, nothing on them. And then Florida made it four, three and carried all the momentum into the next game. And they were starting Spencer Knight again, which I thought was a wild move. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Spencer Knight guy. I think he should be their starter, like main main, but thought they'd go back to Bob for this back to back. Nope. Start Spencer Knight for the second night in a row. Devils had a couple times where they were down. They were down one nothing, and they were down 3-2. Didn't care. They had an offensive explosion throughout the game and ended up winning 7-3. to There's a chance the Bears don't score seven next weekend. Oh, wait, they're on a bye. They'll probably lose that too. Um, 
I, I just couldn't believe that the Devils were able to do it. Nico Heischer, best game I've ever seen him play. He was awesome. And in, in that game, he played against somebody who I want him to become, and that's Alexander Barkov. I don't know if he'll ever be as good as Barkov, but he, they have similar skill sets. They play the exact same game. Their goals are always like banking in rebounds around the net, making good passes, playing a good two-way game. And credit to Barkov. Barkov broke Ole Jokinen's record for the most goals in Florida Panthers history against the Devils. So credit to him for that. But I want to talk to you guys about Dawson Mercer. Dawson Mercer might be rookie of the year so far. He is unbelievable. A, a Devils rookie hasn't made this type of impact since Nico Heischer because Jack Hughes was bad in his rookie year. He's amazing now, but he was bad in his rookie year. And Dawson Mercer, awesome. Just so good. Making good plays, feeding Andreas Janssen. Um, Alexander Holtz collected his first career NHL point yesterday, the other first-round pick from the same draft. Things are looking good for the Devils, and I'm honestly shocked about it. They are yep. currently sitting in the standings with a 6-3-2 and two record. It's not a great record. Certainly not a bad record, though. I mean, if and they can so, keep that pace all year, they, I would say they'd be in the playoffs. I, I love their record right now. They're not currently in a playoff spot, though. No, I know, but I, I like that record. If they keep that pace, keeping that pace is not easy to do. I don't know if 6-3-2 and two out of every... 11 games gets you into the playoffs. Would you be happy if they were 12, 6, and 4? I mean, yeah, I guess maybe it would get them into the playoffs. Okay. If you keep this pace, it's looking good. Because not every team ahead of them is going to keep that pace. That's true. And, you know, the Leafs have played two extra games. Florida's played two extra games. Detroit's played three extra games. And they're they're in a playoff spot. I don't know if they're going to keep it up. How about 18, 9, and 6? If they're 18, 9, and 6, you're happy with that record, too. Yeah, that's true. That's, that, that, that's very true. I have a hard time seeing them being one of the teams that keeps it up. I'll say it. But they did that yesterday to the best team in the league. And I do believe Florida is the best team in the league. I don't care what happened yesterday. I do believe they are the best team in the NHL. No Hamilton, no Hughes. You played that good without them? I don't know. P.K. Subban had a really good game. Dawson Mercer was their best player, maybe besides Nico. Pavel Zaka is scoring. Jesper Bratt is putting up points. Yeah, I don't know. Zaka is there... sick now. And uh, Janssen? Zaka? Yeah, I think Zaka's at here. I, I can tell you the exact number. I have it right here. Um, Janssen might be leading the team in scoring, if they I remember correctly. Six. Yeah, they both have six. Nico has seven points which is on like a 70-point pace, which is exactly what we expected from him. Um, you know, Tatar had points. How about Jimmy Vesey? He mm -hmm. scored his third goal, but like three goals from a, a fourth-line defensive player. I, I don't hate it. I'm happy he made the team. Well, yeah. And so, Yego Sharangovich is benched. You play the guys who are helping you win. So, I'm happy with the, with the way the Devils have started so far this season. Um going to be hard test against the Bruins this weekend. I, I know they have one game. Yeah, that. Well, I was just going to say, Zach Parisi makes his return to the Rock for the billionth time tomorrow. It, uh, it, it's like, it's stale now. Yeah, Nobody exactly. It, it's, it's the first been, time in, in nine years. First time with the New York Islanders, though, so it'll be kind of cool. Um, As a division rival, I guess you can say. On a team uh, that is run by Lou Lamorello. Yeah, so that'll be cool. Um, Edmonton makes their way over to Boston. 
so each of them have, you know, a tough Thursday game ahead of them. And then the Bruins play the Devils on Saturday at 12 p.m. In Frank, every time I write about or write the show and I do Joey on Bruins, Vinny on Devils, I always like feel kind of bad. Like you can either pick a team to like go over each and every week besides <laughs> the Blackhawks. But then I was like, well, I actually don't feel that bad for Frankie because he gets a whole damn period dedicated to his favorite team. Yeah. But if you notice on the sheet, I did leave room for you to comment on anything going on with the Boston Bruins or the New Jersey Devils that Joey or I just spoke of. Well, my opinion on the Devils haven't changed. I said a couple podcasts ago that I think they're a playoff team or at least a bubble team, and they're on pace to do that. So I, I really don't think you have anything to worry about right now. There's no sign saying that that's not going to happen. Uh, as far as the Bruins, they're – in my opinion, they're underperforming. I mean, 6-4-0, in their expectations, I think they'd want to be a lot better than that through the first 10 games. Maybe like an 8-1-1, but that's kind of, you know, you can't always assume that. But just as far as, like, Bruins' expectations go, I think they'll pick it up. A little uh, dry spell right now. But um, they've shown that recently that they could pick it up the pace, and you don't have anything to worry about either. Yeah, so here's what I'll say about that. I agree. They are underperforming. Six and six, four and oh, is, is, you know, you wanted a first 10 better than that. I was hoping, you know, seven and three or eight and two. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they played Florida twice, Carolina once. I thought they, oh, Toronto. I thought they played Tampa, but they wasn't played San Tampa. Jose undefeated when they played them too. Buffalo, San Jose, Florida, Carolina, and Buffalo Florida again. Count. All were undefeated when they, they played. They played five straight games against an undefeated team. Yeah, Buffalo was three and zero. They don't count. It doesn't matter. Five straight games against an undefeated team. Uh, if you want to count Dallas in the home opener, I don't know if they were undefeated. But um, if you look at you know their past four games, they are three, one, three, three, one and zero. So, you know, you just only look ahead with these things. Mm-hmm. Just like we were talking about the Hawks, you know, they're trying to find their game and. It's going to be a, a, a nice challenge here with Edmonton and Connor McDaddy coming to town and seeing how, you know, the top line and Bergeron will try to contain as much of McDavid as you can because there's no stopping him. It's all about containing him. Uh, and then you got dry saddle to worry about. But, you know, that's the that's the challenge against playing against the Oilers. And then you got an easy game on Saturday against the Devils. So. <laughs> I can't wait to watch McDavid dominate against the Boston Bruins. I, like I'm rooting for the Bruins, but I have a feeling McDavid's gonna have a field day with that team. Like, oh, Bruins. for the love of salmon sandwiches! For the love of salmon sandwiches, day, Ma- McDavid says. dominates everyone. I'm just kidding. I don't field mean day, that. He says not. I honestly I hope, see them shutting him down. I don't see him. I doing hope anything. the Bruins do shut him down. I actually am rooting for that, even though Joey's mean to me. I do think there's a a chance that the Bruins are, if, if any team could shut him down, like if, if I were Bruce Cassidy, personally, McAvoy would have 23 minutes of ice time. Do you know what those 23 minutes would be? I know he plays more than that, but he would only get 23 in this game. His entire job would be to shadow McDavid. And then I don't want to see a single goal from Bergeron. I want him shadowing dry That would be my strategy. If I were Bruce Cassidy. They would each play as many minutes as those two guys. Is it at home? It is in Boston. Okay, so you have that advantage. 
Yeah, you but that, in Edmonton, you're screwed. In that Edmonton, top line, that top line plays the best defense when they are playing with their food in the offensive zone. So that's but what I want. Not many teams can play with McDavid's food. I think that's what allows him to have a hundred and a hundred thousand points a season. It'll be a fun matchup. Fun matchup for sure. It's not often that you get to see, you know, the Edmonton Oilers come to Boston. It happens once a year. And, you know, with the way this pandemic has been going, I haven't seen it in like two years. So I'm very excited. I'm going to be excited for a lot of these, you know, Western Conference teams to come up, come to town. And It's been a while. And, yeah, exactly. So I'm looking forward to it. I couldn't believe that they hadn't played the Leafs since November of 2019. They didn't have a single game. In December 2019, January 2020, or February 2020 against the no, Leafs? No, they play, they play a lot against the Leafs and Habs late in the year. So all, so, so they had every – in 2019-20, every Leafs game but one was canceled? No, they played them a couple times earlier in the year, that year, I believe. Oh, but most of the games against the Leafs were canceled in that year? Yes. They, and they only played against Mike Babcock? There was yeah. no Sheldon Keith. That yeah. is unbelievable. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah, it's been a while. Frank, can we address one comment Joey made? What I say? Go ahead. The Bruins are going to smoke the Devils? <laughs> last time I recall, the only team the Bruins struggled against last year was the New Jersey Devils. They might have won the division if they didn't suck ass against the Devils last year. I- I'm pretty sure that's correct. No, Frank? Been hot in here, right? Listen, don't come at the devil unless you can handle the heat. I can handle the heat. I'm I'm excited for that game. I'm excited. You're for coming the to the gates of hell. You better be able to take the heat. I'm excited for the matinee, the Saturday matinee in Jersey. Me too. We'll see what the Devils are coming off of with this Islanders game. I I honestly see Zdeno Chara getting too. Talk. Okay, so you know how like the Devils are the Bruins kryptonite. Like for whatever the Devils were trash bags last year, and they still smoked the Bruins almost every time they played them. That's the same thing for the Islanders. The Devils get smoked by the Islanders no matter what. So I, I'm worried about Thursday's game. I am. I must. Well, say. Yeah, I mean, so am I. Are either of you worried about the Bruins being a one-line team? No, not really. Joe. Um, Eichel's off the market. And I hope you're actually willing to speak rationally about the Bruins here because it's a pressing issue. It seems like every goal they score is either scored, assisted, or assisted by one of Pasternak, Marchand, Bergeron. I mean, your top guys are obviously going to like figure in on more goals than everyone else. But like you look at yesterday's game. I think you want your top line to consider, consist of like 40% of your offense. It's way more than that for the Bruins. I guess, but... Um... You look at their power play. They're such a one-line or a top power play unit-driven team. You know, they get the power play. I've seen the top unit stay out there for the entire two minutes, and they get a goal. So when your top power play consists of your top line, I think that kind of plays a factor to, you know, the average Joe who just looks at stats and, oh, they're a one-line team. You know, Martian figures in Bergeron scored again. But these power play goals, do you really look at that as, like, that line scoring the goals? Because the way I looked at yesterday's game, uh, obviously, Marshan made an incredible play. Uh, or no, Pasternak, he, he took the shot off of Marshan on the power play. So there's a power play goal to tie the game against the Ottawa Senators. And then the next goal, 
was a sweet snipe by Derek Forbert, who was assisted by Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall. And then you look at the the winning goal was Bergeron uh, playing it off of a broken stick. So, I mean, you there was really only one goal yesterday that you can argue was the top line because I don't consider those power play goals the top line because some of them might be assisted by Taylor Hall. Some of them might be scored by Taylor Hall or Charlie McAvoy. Um, and I, I've actually really liked what I've seen from uh, Charlie Coyle, Craig Smith, and Taylor Hall as a second line. So if Jake DeBrusque can get it going, I would like to see Eric Halla. Uh, Jack Stanika got a look on the wing yesterday on the third line wing. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not ready to consider them in trouble yet in terms of their depth scoring. Because I've seen it. I've seen some defensemen get some goals. Yeah, the, I, I like the explanation. I really do. That That makes me feel better about it. Because yeah. I was starting to get a little worried. No, and I think Charlie Coyle has had a great start to the season. I, I want to see more consistency from Jake DeBrusque. He got on a two on a two on one yesterday with Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrusque, and it's lefty and or no, yeah, it was lefty and righty, but Jake was on the right side, so he was passing it to an open Charlie Coyle who could have one time to over on the left side, and it was just one of those situations. You had a defenseman coming back late, uh, and the guy was playing the pass. Like if you're Jake DeBrusque, I'd like to see him shoot that puck. Uh, he's got to get to that shooter's mentality and start scoring goals. Cause he had what? 27 a few years ago. Yeah. We need that Jake DeBrusque. So I agree. Um, I would like to see them trade for a center. Whether it be I a, am still a, a third line center and better second line center. Dylan Strom would be perfect for them. Yeah, honestly, I'm but still not out of the possibility of a David Krejci David return. Krejci. Yep. So I've seen many people hint at it. Um, I know for a fact Tuka Rask is coming back. Well, I was going to ask you that next. And Frank, you can chime in on this too. You haven't spoken in a while. And that's kind of what happens when Joey starts going on the, about the Bruins. Tuka Rask's been skating at Warrior. Mm-hmm. He, skate, he literally, with co- goalie coach Bob Essensa, uh in a Bruins jersey at Warrior Ice Arena right before the Bruins. He is on the Bruins. <laughs> not he's on the Bruins not under contract yeah he so might... like I wonder if he like has to sign a waiver about like insurance and stuff like that but like I don't know he, Frank, um, what would you think of Tuka Rask returning to the Boston Bruins they they kind of need him yeah I, I think that his return will help him get out of this little rut they're in for sure I mean Swayman hasn't been bad though and neither he has, really has it's just the yeah right you know when you haven't lost at home that's something to build off of. The Bruins oh, haven't 100%. lost at home. Jeremy Swayman has never lost in Boston. Really? Yeah. He's perfect at home. Yeah, they've both been playing luggage. pretty good. I think Tuca coming back, that would be a big boost. And like you said, he'll be back. He'll be back. They, they did get permission from the NHL for Tuca to be there. They had to go through the NHL to have this allowed. Um, and Tuca made it public that he will not play in the NHL for anyone but the Bruins. So... For anyone hoping that you know their team signs free agent to Grask when he's healthy, there's a zero percent chance. Yeah, Gary has other things on his mind right now, like keeping his job. Besides worrying about Tuka Rask taking a couple shots from Coil in the freaking Warrior Ice Arena. Yeah, but I, I think it's cool. I think it's hilarious that he is a, technically a free agent, and he's literally got the Bruins coaching staff there helping him. Like Bob Bob Essensa is the goalie coach for the Bruins, and he's out there with Tuka. <laughs> That is interesting. Alexander Ovechkin passed Brett Hall for the fourth most goals 
in National Hockey League history. I've said on this show many times that I believe Alexander the Great, if he stays healthy, will break Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal record. Frank, what are your thoughts on him passing Hall, the younger Hall? I'm not surprised. Everybody knew it was coming. Um, he was also, Alex Ovechkin's also the first player, was the first player to reach 10 goals, double digits in the National Hockey League this year. Um, so, yeah, everybody kind of saw it coming. No surprise there. Uh, I think I might be in the minority in this, but I, I don't see him catching Gretzky just because there's, I mean, if he stays healthy, yeah, he could, but there's just too many other factors that play into it, you know, that so I don't know. It could go either way for me. I really don't know. I think he plays long enough to do it. I think it's like if he's 30 short, he plays. Like that that's how I see it. Like why retire? You just don't know the like with injuries or like if anything yeah. happens and like the doctors say no, you shouldn't play. There's just too many. I mean, he's still how many goals away is he? Over a hundred? He's like a hundred and hundred and seventy, I think. Yeah. So it's like a lot could happen over the course of 170 goals. And I just think with like the era we're in now with like COVID and everything, I, I just, I don't see him breaking it. So let's say he puts up a 50 burger this year. Then next year he scores 40. Now he's within 70 at 38. And like, there are a lot of great players who have scored 20 goals from 38 to 42 each year. That's kind of where I'm at on it. 70 still a lot, though, at 38 years old, you know? Yeah, but, like, Yager scored 25 twice at 41 and 42. And, like, and so if McDavid was looking to do this and he was reaching his upper 30s, I would say no. Because McDavid relies on speed, skating, stick handling. Ovechkin just stands there and rips one tease. He would have to stay healthy. Yes, he would have to stay healthy. It's the way Ovechkin plays that makes me believe he will do it. He does not rely on his skating. He's a fucking galloper now. He gets out there and he gallops. And then he stands there on the power play and rips one tease from Carlson. He does score a lot of different ways. Yes. Well, that's going to be what separates him from being a 50-goal man and a 25-goal man is not standing in front of the net, taking the abuse as much anymore. That's where the goals will come down a little bit. But 15 to 20 power play goals a season on top of like five or six even strength goals well into his 40s, that's my argument on why I think he breaks Gretzky's record. But if he has one injury plague season, it's over. Well, he's already lost about 25 goals due to COVID. Mm -hmm. About 50 games were canceled total for Washington. And he scores about every other game based on his goals per game statistics. I actually think it's over a goal every other game. It's like 0.6. So he's lost about 25 goals, but that's just an extra, extra time of his body resting too, though. So like, I don't know. I I hope he does. If he gets close and it's 2026, 2027, I'm going to try and go on the hunt to watch it in person. I would uh, love to see it in person. Yeah. He also doesn't just score goals. Yesterday he became the ninth active player to have 600 career assists. He's a top 10 all-time player. Yeah. Among the, I have this here from the uh, Washington Capitals PR. 
Among active players with at least 600 career assists, his 741 goals are the most and are 255 more than the next closest player. That player being Sidney Crosby at 486. See, people who call him a pure goal scorer, it's just wrong. Mm -hmm. He's just so good at hockey. Having 600 assists is not easy to do. (laughs) You basically get into the Hall of Fame if you have 600 assists. Because most people who have 600 assists have at least 400 goals. You know? And Ovechkin's just calmly in the 70s at 34 years old. Or 700s at 4. Okay, so let's say he gets to 50 this year. He's at, you said 740? For what? He's at 741 right now. For goals? Yes. And that's with 10 on the season. So if he adds another 40, it would be 781. Then let's say he gets 40 next year. 830. Now he's only 60 shy of Wayne at 38. No, at 37. Uh, I think he does it easy. I think he if does he stays easy. healthy. If he stays healthy. But I also think I could see him playing a long time. Like, Yager played until he was 44 years old. Uh, and actually, yesterday was the anniversary. November 9th, 2017, Yager scored his most recent goal in the NHL, playing for the Calgary Flames. <laughs> Do you agree that style of play, this goes for both of you, Joe, starting with you, style of play helps determine whether or not a player is going to last long in the NHL, like long into their late 30s, early 40s. Like, Yager stopped relying on his skating, and it was all about his shot and his ability to pass from and that stick point he, he handles the puck so far away from his body that even at 44 years old, he was able to stick handle and, you know, maintain possession of the puck in a way that not everyone is able to do, regardless of how old they are. And so if McDavid wants to play into his 40s, he has to be able to skate like Marlowe because Marlowe skating never declined. Most players skating declines. Mm-hmm. Marla was a great skater into his late 30s. So if that doesn't happen for McDavid, I think that takes away a lot of his game. Frank? Yeah, it all depends on the way you play and and or your adaptability to the way you play. You look at a guy like even Patrice Bergeron. He is not the fastest skater in the world. He never has been the fastest skater in the world, but here he is having four goal games on a given Thursday night. Same so, with Joe Pavelski. Exactly. Always been a bad skater. Exactly. So he like, the... hangs out in the slot and mm-hmm. tips pucks. But, I mean, you watch those guys play, you know, you watch Bergeron play, still saving goals, whether it be in the defensive zone or scoring goals in the offensive zone. Like, the way some the way you play can allow you to play into, you know, the, the high 30s, low 40s of age. So, I think Ovechkin, the way he plays and, you know, the talent he has to maybe even be a little more adaptive Let's say he does slow down a little bit because Ovechkin's actually he's pretty quick for 37 years old or however old he is. Uh, I don't consider him like, you know, a slow old guy. He's still, you know, he gets going and he gets on a breakaway. He'll lay the body. Um, I I think very I think he'll be able to play into his low 40s regardless of uh, of how much his body is willing. I think a big thing, too, from Ovechkin is every time he takes a shot, there's a lot of power coming from off that shot and then you see when he's in Ovi's office on the one timer or whatever that puck leaves the stick so fast and I think that's another big reason on why he's so good at scoring goals because there's so much power coming from behind that shot um so that's another thing that has to he's got to keep that power going if he wants to break that record and I just everybody's human 
And as you progress and get older, so you, you lose that power sometimes. And which is why I don't know if he'll be able to do it. I, I go back and forth about it all the time. Like tomorrow I could be like, yeah, you know what? He might actually do it. And then in a week from now, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he can. I'm so up in the air on it. I just, because father time, right? Nobody can beat father time. So Except I was just going to say that. What did he say? <laughs> Except Tom Brady. I was just going to say that. But even, but now you're talking about different sports now. <laughs> you just so said I, nobody. I, I was just answering your question to nobody. Well, I mean, eventually he's not going to play though. So eventually yeah. father time will catch up to him. And I don't know about that, Chief. <laughs> I mean, nothing lasts forever. So, Frank, I actually really like your power comment. And that, to me, is part of the reason why he does do it. Because eventually you lose that power, no doubt about it. I just don't think you lose that first. I think you lose speed and quickness. You lose a step first. And so, like I said, Kane, Crosby, these guys who rely on their skating a lot, I think lose it a little sooner than someone like Ovechkin who relies so heavily on his shot. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, do you hope he does do it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. I want to. He... I want the player to have that record that I watched. Yep. That's very selfish Same. of me, but I want that. <laughs> I want to be think... able to. I want to be able to tell my kids, or, or you know, when I'm an old guy, like, hey, the goal leader, the best goal scorer to ever play the game. I watched the prime of his career. I watched it. I watched him win the Stanley Cup. I can't say that shit about like Bobby Orr, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky. I can't say that shit about those guys, and I want to be able to say that. So I agree. Do you think, regardless if he breaks it or not, let's say he comes 60 goal shy, do you still say he's the greatest goal scorer ever? I do. I or do. does he need the record? No, I, I, I do. I I'll, I will argue that he is the greatest goal scorer ever until a young Pasternak, Matthews. I think he up is and right coming. now. I don't think he needs to come in third. I think yeah. he is right now. No, I, I agree. I, I have an explanation, though, and Frank, you could give your thoughts on it, too. Um, scoring, really quick, scoring in the NHL. Is so much harder now than it was. That's what I was gonna say. When Wayne Gretzky was great, he's he's the great one. You're a sick fuck if you think anything else besides Wayne Gretzky's the great one. But the the goalies and the defenders weren't what Ovechkin faced. They just weren't. Yeah, and and just listen to Wayne Gretzky talk. He he talks about this all the time. He agrees with that. <laughs> you watch this guy talk on TNT the great broadcast that they do every Wednesday night. Be sure to Hawks next Wednesday, Seattle yeah. Kraken. Um, every time they, they get on the, the subject of, of Ovechkin catching his record, he's very honest. And, you know, you can tell how humble Wayne Gretzky is. And, and not a lot of people believe him. Rick Tockett gives him shit. Like I believe everything Wayne says when he says that he genuinely wants Ovechkin to break the record. He went into detail on it on TV on why he wants Ovechkin to break his record, and it's because he deserves it. He believes that it is way harder to score today. That's coming from the horse's mouth, the great one's mouth. So you should want Ovechkin to hold this record because he is the greatest goal scorer to ever play the game. Frank, what is one story, highlight, or something that you would like to share with the folks? 
well, the story that I have hasn't been talked about enough, in my opinion. I mean, it was briefly mentioned on social media. I'm kind of surprised, though, like, that there hasn't been more talk about it. It's that Patrick Kane got his 1,100th point against Nashville, and nobody's saying a word about it. It's like, ah, yeah, you got 1,100. I'll just, it's Patrick Kane. But that's like a huge milestone in someone's career that I just think needs to be talked about more. And another reason why the Hawks have been playing better is because he's playing better. Without Kane, the Hawks, who knows how good the Hawks would be. I'm with you. I think there's, I'm not saying I agree with this explanation because I, I, you're right. We should be talking about it more. I think the reason is because he recorded his 1100th point on an overtime goal that got Derek King his first win after Colleton was fired. That was the bigger story in a lot of people's opinion. In my opinion, they should be even flat ground. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just every, at least mention it like more than what I've heard. Yeah. Every 100 points, it gets. 100 points, you know, 100 goals, it gets celebrated. Like I just mentioned Ovechkin's 600th assist. Like 600 is a, is a pretty random number, but every 100 you celebrate it. And once you reach 1,000, it's even more so to celebrate after that. Like that's a big milestone. That's a big number right there, mm-hmm. 1,100. He's barely over 1,000 games, and he's already at 1,100 points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope he gets so much over point per game that like later in his career when he's only getting 50, 60 points a season, he's able to retire with a points per game average. That that happens to some guys sometimes where they play so long that like their points per game average goes down just a little bit and it makes their overall career look a little worse. Even though you know that like Kane's five best seasons are as good as any player who ever lived. So I don't know. I don't think we do that enough. We don't look at a player's five best seasons as, rather than their whole career enough. Like Patrick Kane's five best seasons, you might say he's the best player in the history of the Chicago Blackhawks. I personally think that. I've written many articles stating that opinion. I would take Patrick Kane's career over Bobby Hall and Stan Mikita's career 100 times out of 100 because I consider winning equally as important to statistics. He's got the statistics and the winning. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Patrick Kane. That's a great story, Frank. Mm-hmm. Joseph. Okay. If you're worried so, about the Boston Bruins, I'm changing mine to something New Jersey Devils related. It's not about the Boston Bruins. It is some is it about something? It's about something that the odds of this happening. This isn't really a story, but it's just something that happened that's really cool, something to kind of look at. Something that's going to be related to my pick tonight. Um in 2017, the 2017-18 season. Frank, you're going to like this cuz you like you like shit that's like the, what are the odds of that happening? What are the chances? In 2017-18, the Arizona Coyotes started the season 0-10-1. They claimed goaltender Scott Wedgwood off of waivers and gave them their first win of the season. <laughs> This is in 2008. No freaking way. This is in 2000. No way you're about to say what I think you're about to say. That happened in 2018. Fast forward this season, 2021. The Coyotes started their season 0-10-1 and claimed goaltender Scott Wedgwood off of waivers and got their first win. Wow. What are the odds of that happening? That's 
You needed to start the season without winning in your first 11 games. You needed to lose one of those games in overtime. You need to claim the same goalie off of waivers from the same team. From the same, it was, was, I don't know if 17, 18 was from the Devils. Yes. Okay. Even more bizarre. You claim the same goalie off waivers to give your team the first win to make your record 1, 10, and 1. Yeah, that's weird. Do you guys remember going to that hot dog place by Jarrett's old work? For Sandwich Saturday? Yeah, it was for Sandwich Saturday. The cold ones? I remember the the cold cold. ones. No, no, no. It was by his work, UPS. I never forget the cold. It was by UPS. I don't. I don't yeah, remember going to another went, hot dog place. Maybe, I definitely didn't get a hot dog. Then. Maybe it wasn't hot. It, it was a restaurant he wanted to take us oh, to. Oh, McKellister's Deli, maybe? No, 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 no. That was near his work? No, it was like yeah, we passed his work, like the facility. Are you talking about the – we went to a wing place that was closed. No, we we ate. We ended up eating. Anyway, on the way there, the Coyotes claimed Wedgwood from the Devils. Is I, you can't argue with me. I know for an absolute fact. Oh, okay. Well, now I um, want to know the place, though. Yeah, I'm I, more curious I'll, about the I'll, place now. I'll yeah. ask him. We well, went. We were driving there for Sandwich Saturday. I definitely coyotes, didn't get a hot dog. The Coyotes claimed Wedgwood from the Devils. With a stat joke, Joey's talking about the first one. Was definitely on the way. I I I, I don't know why I remember it. I just do. Okay, but all that aside, crazy memory. All that aside, what are the odds of that, Frank? Uh, I think it's point three. It's one hundred percent because it happened. Yeah, I hate when people say that. That's my thing. Me too. That's why because it's not a hundred percent. It is a hundred percent because it happened. Like, yeah, but what are the odds that it would happen? It wasn't a hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. Now that it did happen, it's a hundred percent chance. It's like when the team is losing, like, uh, like the Braves had a point three percent chance to win the World Series back in whatever month. But June. now that, that those odds go up, and now that they won the World Series, the odds sit at a hundred percent. Yeah, but that's not what it means that's, when you say yeah, what are the what, odds? Yeah, that's exactly. Because like, exactly. if I asked you that same question in twenty eighteen, you're not going to say a hundred percent. No, the odds I, I would have been. I would have bet a hundred percent of my money that Wedgwood loses that game with the Coyotes the second time around. I wouldn't. I wouldn't because I knew the circumstance. <laughs> You're crazy. Um, and you know, speaking of odds changing, no, I have my story. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna, I was gonna I, mine's not even that long though. It's not going to create as much conversation either. I was going to talk about the fact that Moritz Sider, defenseman of the. Detroit Red Wings, who I'm a huge fan of. Everybody laughed at Detroit when they made that pick, and I went, you idiots laughing at Steve Eiserman. You don't laugh at Steve Eiserman, people. You take what Steve Eiserman does and treat it as gospel when he drafts Moritz Sider sixth overall. Now he's the rookie of the year for October. He deserves it. He's going to become one of the best defensemen in the NHL. I truly, from the bottom of my heart, believe that. So congrats to him. I'm happy to see him having success in Detroit. I can't wait till the Red Wings are a wagon because it is coming in short order. Yeah, the uh, the first so or the or to start this season, it was like the first pick from the Rangers in 2020 and the first pick from the Rangers in 2019 uh, compared to the those same picks that the, the Red Wings made. And it's like Four points to twenty-four points for the yeah. Lucas the Raymond and Moritz Sider versus Alexis Lafreniere and, and Capo Caco. Capo Caco, yeah, um, yeah. They 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 honestly suck. 
I got a good look at um at both those guys. Even when the Hawks, obviously, when the Hawks played the Red Wings, we saw Raymond get that hat trick. Yep. Uh, and then just last week, when I watched the, full, I was able to sit down and watch a full Red Wings game when they, you know, made their trip over to Boston. And the one goal that they did score was Raymond and Sider got an assist on it. And they were, you know, Jack and Brick were talking very highly of them. And they're going to be an issue for for my Atlantic Division coming up here. Sure. All right, boys. You know what time of the show it is? Talked a little hockey. If anyone has any questions for Vinny, Joey, or Frankie to talk about after the segment, please drop them in the chat and we will address them accordingly. But for now, I would like to bring us to Breaking Bets. Joey and Frankie's bets are the danger. When they you are. Lose them, you're probably going to lose because they are the one who knocks. Do, Joey, right. Well, I just want to say last week, Frank, you had one hell of a pick saying the Columbus okay. Blue Jackets were going to beat the Colorado Avalanche. Just to that give us a little, bit of, a little bit of they, credibility here. We should always and, recap. And they made you sweat it out too by letting Colorado tie it late. Yeah. They ultimately won in overtime. Uh the Edmonton Oilers beat the Predators. We we all agreed on that. I thought the Hawks had a chance to win against Carolina last Wednesday, but I went safe and I said you could go watch it back. I said Hawks plus one and a half. Final score four to three. They covered that. It's those damn St. Louis Blues that screwed us from being perfect. They lost in a shootout to the Los Angeles Kings. Here's how we're going to make up for that today. I just talked all about it. Talked about Scott Wedgwood getting the Coyotes their first win. They're riding the win streak. They are 1-0 in their last one game. They welcome the Minnesota Wild tonight. I have the Coyotes at plus 175 for some reason. Don't ask me why. The Arizona Coyotes are going to beat the Minnesota Wild tonight at home for their second win of the season. Frank, I'm going to, there's not a lot of hockey going on, especially in terms of value. Um, I don't know what you're going to say. So I'll, I'll let you, I don't want to steal all the hockey games and just give a pick right away, but there's one more game I want to comment on, but I want to hear from you first. Um, well, it might be what I'm thinking of. Um, I, I, I would almost guarantee it's what I'm thinking of. If I know you, which I think I do. I mean, I could be wrong, but this would be like the shot in the dark that I, this is the pick that I think you have. And I think there's great value here. Um, They're at home. They're playing them. They're playing the Maple Leafs. The Flyers are plus 117. I love them at home. I think they're going to dust Toronto, to be honest with you. That's my only hockey pick I got. I honestly think the Flyers, to me, that's great value. I would never take the Leafs on the road as the favorite because I never take them as the home as the favorite. Why would I take them on the road as the favorite? I think it's a good plus pick. That's my hockey pick. Joe, I'm interested to see what you got. Yeah, I um, But I'm not done. I got something else too. But I, 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 knew, this day was gonna, I knew this day was going to come when there is a hockey pick that is mentioned that we both disagree on. And it's that the Flyers don't do anything for me. And the Leafs 
when all four of those guys are scoring, they're getting it. They're getting production from Pablo. John Tavares is on a tear. They're coming off of a 5-1 loss to the Los Angeles Kings at home. I think they go into Philadelphia and Austin Matthews puts on a show. I, I don't know. I think there's great value the other way. The Leafs minus 136, I get it. That's my other hockey pick along with uh, the Arizona Coyotes at home. So I'm sorry, Frank. I, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. We'll have to let the viewers decide if they want to choose who to ride with. What do you got, Vin? I'm just happy that I get to clown a loser. Like one of you is going to get clowned by me on Twitter and one of you is going to get praised by me on Twitter. And you better be expecting it. It's going to happen. You come on this show, you make your breaking bets. Be prepared to be ridiculed by me. I'm taking, I like the wild. I think Joey's crazy. Like, yeah, let me just bet the one win team plus 175. Okay. Against probably the best team in the division. Everyone's always cool. afraid to take those big pluses. Everyone's hey, always Columbus, Columbus, Columbus. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the Columbus Blue Jackets are worlds better than the Arizona Coyotes. They don't even Scott play Wedgwood. in the team league. Scott, Scott Wedgwood sucks ass. The team is undefeated the Devils, Scott Wedgwood. The, the, Devils, the Devils would get smoked when he plays. The team is undefeated against Scott. Scott Wedgwood. I've been seeing so much red lately. The Bulls minus three and a half against the Dallas Mavericks. I like the under 215. I just like the money line. I think there's great value in the money line there. Yes, absolutely. Um, 165. So, are you kidding me? The Bulls are the hottest team in the NBA. Yeah, I'd say everybody just beat the Nets, who are like a championship favorite. They beat they they didn't just beat the Nets, they like murdered the Nets. They murdered the Nets in comeback fashion. How often do you see that? Exactly. So it's like, I mean, they did that to the Celtics too in comeback. I know. Fashion. You murder a team that you're trailing by that much? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he red, bitch. You and your little Boston but green bullshit. We, we talk about the Bulls every week, but it's like you deserve to take them every week, right? There's no reason not to. Yep. And one, one more pick. I wasn't going to write this down. Yeah, I have one more too. It might We might be on the same page here because of our conversation we had when you called me earlier today. It's the same one. It's the same one. Let's go. <laughs> I thought about it, right? Because you're like, oh, you want to go, whatever. And I was looking at the, I was looking at the game, and I can't believe NIU are dogs. I'm like, they're so good. The How? Team, they're so How good. are they dogs? They're are, are they undefeated in MAC play? I believe they're oh. one and three in non-con. The one win was the one me and Joey attended at Georgia Tech, and then they oh. lost to Michigan. I forget the other two non-con losses. I'm pretty sure they're undefeated in the MAC, and they're at home. I know. And Ball State does not deserve to be a favorite on the road. We're going to Detroit, boys. I'm going to Detroit. The NIU Huskies are going to win out. They're going to win the their MAC division, and they're going to go play in the MAC title game at Ford Field in Detroit. And I'm going to be there. Go Huskies. Um. So yeah. Okay. I'm glad Sky- Skyler confirms we have one loss in MAC play. Okay. So Skyler? yeah. You know we're going to Detroit, Skyler. You're going to be on your way here to pick me up in about five minutes. And we're going to go watch the NIU Huskies win plus two and a half. You can't bet on them legally in Illinois. Frankie's going to do it on his fucking weird shit. Can't wait. Maybe I'll quick pay a little money and you could bet for me. I want to bet NIU. I hate every Illinois governor ever. I don't care about gas prices. I don't care about anything. I don't care about politics. All that is hogwash to me. Make Betting on Illinois college teams legal. I will drive to Indiana. 
I, I would love to get a torch. I don't care. Like I said, I don't care about politics. Politics are for losers. I care about NIU Husky football, and I'm pissed that some idiot will whatever decided that I can't bet on the Huskies. I can't bet on Illinois. I can't bet on any local team except Notre Dame. Screw you. I hate you, and I'm going on this rant every single week. That is stupid. I, that is a stupid rule. I it is I don't know if a Democrat or a Republican came up with it. Both parties stink. Whoever, we need to have a new party. Listen to this. A new political party. It's called the Vinnie Parisi party. Okay. We all get along. We all pay moderately fair gas prices. All that's nice. We're, we're nice to each other. I love it. But it's the Vinnie Parisi party. And the first bill we pass, we make betting on college football in Illinois legal. Screw everyone. Screw both. I don't care about any of it. I want to bet on college football. Leave me alone. It's just the NIU team, though. I want people to understand that. Not all college football, just Illinois-based teams, like Illinois NIU. Yeah. 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 Like other I love I would love to bet on Northwestern. You know how much other... money we would have made on Northwestern over the last couple of years here in other Illinois? Knowing how good to... they actually were. Just to make that clear to the viewers. <laughs> no, but... we could bet on like Alabama and right, right. and you know, Speaking even the of, other Maction games tonight. Uh, doesn't Toledo play? Yeah, Toledo tonight? plays somebody. Kent State Kent? maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I need to go on a little rant, though. Oh, here it's, we go. I, <laughs> people are used to the rants from me. Let me let me get it. Well, make them big. I'll sit back and relax with my drink. Because there's something that's... Are you so close. So close to this. Because there, there's something that's bothering me. Let me go on a rant. Because <laughs> there's something that's bothering me. I just don't understand. Lay it on okay. me, Yesterday, the rankings were released. Oh, my God. What a bunch of absolute muffin top clowns. Let me pull them up, too. Could we get them on the screen or no? That would be. But anyways, I'll, let me I'll talk. send them to Joey. I'll send them to Joey. You talk. No, I, um, think, uh, I, think, I think we're in the process of working on it. Whatever. But here's, here's the problem I have. The rankings come out. Bama moves – or not Bama. Cincinnati, who I'm pulling for so bad. Me too. I hate I hate group of five haters. Me, I this hate is not, up, this is not updated. No, that is not updated. That is incorrect. <laughs> but oh, anyway. No, that, no, Frank, that wasn't incorrect. That was the AP poll. The AP poll is different than the college football committee rankings, but the college okay. football committee rankings are what's – most that's what I'm talking about. I well, that, talk that, no, but that's what like stands. That like when you yeah, watch right. the games on Saturday right, right, and right. you see you'll see a number two next to Alabama, not a number three. Right, right. I'm talking Here, about I'm, that. I'm setting it. Cincinnati to you in the college football stand, whatever rating, they're number five. I'm pulling for them very hard. I don't think they should have ever been dropped from two. We talked about that last week, but there's something that really pisses me off. Is because the reason. Cincinnati was dropped from two to six at the time before they won this week, right? Is because they didn't win by enough points than they should have. They were on the road. They won by 19 points. In my book, 19 is enough. You, you win by 19, that's a lot. I don't care. I say this too. I don't care that you got to win by 40 points or whatever. They were, they were like 20-something point favorites, and they won by 19, and they dropped to six, okay? Now, here's where I have the problem. And, and why I want to go on the ramp. Alabama's number two. They're home against LSU. 20-something point favorites. Home now. 
where Cincinnati was two on the road, one by nine. Two. Alabama's home. They win by six points against an unranked team. So to they, they an LSU team to an LSU team that has been so stinky that they decide not to bring back Ed Orgeron next season. And they stay two. That, that's and just and Alabama has a loss, and they almost lost to a bad Florida team early in the season. So how does Cincinnati? We thought Florida was good, but they stink. So how does Cincinnati drop to five after winning by 19 points, stating that they have they didn't win by enough? Then Alabama comes home, they win by six. They don't even come close to covering, and they're two. There's there's something wrong in this the committee's rankings. I mean, this is I, I just had a loss for words. I don't care if they're a power five. Group of five, that shouldn't matter than have two different tournaments. It shouldn't matter. Uh, there's no bigger darling here than Ohio State. They're the ones getting the votes by the committee. The committee loves themselves as some Ohio State. Like, Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten, in my opinion. I think they're going to smoke Michigan in rivalry week. I think they're going to smoke Michigan State, little brother. The little brother of the little brother. Um like Ohio State deserves to be there sometime, but you know, as as Skyler makes fun of in the comments, the committee saying every game matters. Uh, clearly not. Clearly not, because in order for Cincinnati to even be in this conversation, they had to go undefeated two years in a row. So, like, why not just make D one football the Power Five, and then the Group of Five make that D one, and then make everything else D two, D three, whatever you want to do it, like. I just don't understand how they can be lumped in together and not all be given a fair shake. Because, yes, do I think Cincinnati would get absolutely steamrolled by Georgia or Alabama? Perhaps. Perhaps. But the rules are in place to allow them a fair and equal opportunity, just like everybody else. Because for a long time, we let Notre Dame in. I like Notre Dame. I get paid to write about them. I enjoy watching the Irish. I like the tradition. I've seen Touchdown Jesus in person. I love Touchdown Jesus. I can't understand why it's okay to put Notre Dame in the top four every year to get absolutely fucking smoked by Alabama or Clemson, but yet we can't let Cincinnati in. And like I said, I like Notre Dame. I don't want Notre Dame people coming after me. I cheer for Notre Dame a good amount of the time. It's they're, the same thing with Cincinnati. They're scared that if they put them in, they're going to get their doors blown off by Oregon. Well, guess what? Change the rules then. There's not another team in the top 25 that deserves to be in the top four more than Cincinnati. They're being swindled. No, I mean, who do you take out of the top four? I have a hot take, and the people closest to me are going to be stunned to hear me say this. Honestly, probably Alabama. I couldn't agree more. I don't know. I love Alabama. I'm an SEC guy. I have SEC shit hanging on my wall. They lost to an unranked team and then almost lost last week. They only won by six. Okay, and nobody talks about the Florida game. Alabama almost got dummied by Florida. And Florida's bad. We thought Florida was good going into the season. They stink. Ever since losing Kyle Pitts and Trask, they've been ass. So, yeah, no. That's a no from me on Bama right now. I, I But then again, there's the Bama bias. Oh, if they played them this weekend, they'd win by 50. Based on what? Based yeah. on what? I, you know who got I the don't... most boned? You know who got the most boned this season? Penn mm-hmm. State. Yeah. They were. They were four, I thought, at one point. They were. And then when they lost to Iowa, 
it was because their starting quarterback got injured. Yeah. And then they lost to Illinois, which was a bad loss. But, like, they probably smoke Illinois if they have a chance at the playoffs. I do believe every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction. So you beat Iowa, you probably beat Illinois. When you mm-hmm. lose to Iowa and know your chances at the playoffs are probably much slimmer now, you probably take it easier against Illinois. Maybe, you know, you don't play as well as you normally would. Like, I don't know. That's just my thought. We'll on keep the an thing. eye on this going forward, too, because I'm interested to see if they do break the top four. Oh, I, I just decided. Bar Down is a hockey show, but this is the show we end with a little college football, just like we always end. We always end with a little NFL on Crosstown Crosstalk. Because me and Joey always discuss the Thursday night game leading, leading into the weekend happenings in the NFL. So I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad that we cover college football and the NFL just a little bit on each show. Because it, for one, it makes it a little more diverse. The show, lots of people can tune in and join in on the conversation. Um, and we don't have a show where we talk football. And I like talking football. so it's Just had to get that off my chest. Absolutely. Maybe me and Frankie will start a college football podcast. That'd be fun. And then I Joey just like I in. just like listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, want learn some. I want you to get into it and learn it a little more because it'll help your fantasy teams. Do I need help, Frank? Tell them about my fantasy team. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you specifically. I'm like you. You can learn. You can get help with fantasy. It's like I'm saying that's a pro to knowing about college football. You know what rookies you can draft later in the draft that might have a chance. Like like people who drafted Kyle Pitts this year. That was one that might not have worked out quite as well as people thought it was going to, but like you had that advantage over someone who was taking like Cole Komet. I mean, I, I drafted, like I drafted Jamar Chase. Jamar, exactly, really good pick, really good pick. I, I had some help. Shout out. You had help from someone I know who loves college football. Shout out, shout out, you who helped me. You. He probably never listened to a single show. Maybe. Maybe. Frank, what would be your top four right now before we head out? Or, or not Oregon. Uh, Georgia's number one for sure. Yeah, I think they deserve I think Georgia's the best like, team in the country. Yeah, yeah Georgia would not leave. Um, I, I think Oregon deserves to be number two, in my opinion. I would put them too. Um, and then I would have Cincinnati and Ohio State. I Actually, well, yeah, I think Ohio, yeah, probably Ohio State, but Cincinnati at least deserves to be third, if not second, like they were. But don't drop them out of a playoff. I would put Ohio State third and Cincinnati fourth. So mine would go Georgia, Oregon, Cincinnati, Ohio State, and then yeah. yours would be a little different. Yeah, but but basically the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Ohio State with one loss deserves it over undefeated Cincinnati for a playoff spot just because I know what Ohio state can do. And these things are all taken into consideration by the committee, but I'm not against putting a group of five in as long as they're the four seed. Like if that was their mantra, like we'll never put them three, two or one, but we'll, we'll put them four. I'm okay with that. Cause I do understand the disparity between the group of five and the power five. I do understand that. I'm not ignorant to it, but the fact that they just get no chance because they're a group of five school pisses me off. Now the big 10 can shit down their own throat, though, because Michigan and Ohio State still play. Michigan State and Ohio State still play. And if any, like, co- weird combination there, the Big Ten could just be out in general, and Oklahoma maybe could jump them all and be six or potentially five or four. 
And to me, those those are the teams that are alive right now. Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Michigan, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. The top eight are alive to me. I don't think Notre Dame. I love seeing Ole Miss ranked 15th. I want Arch Manning to choose Ole Miss and make them a really good football school again. But I don't know. Joe, this is your cue. Uh, I think it. I think the rankings were perfect the way they are. Get out. <laughs> and on that note, make sure you listen to all the great programming on the Barroom Network. You have the Mike North Advantage. You have Barfly Tailgate. You have Bears uh, Halftime uh, Post Game. All sorts of great stuff with the Bears. Uh, we're doing this again. Frankie is, Frankie's just blurry AF. I can't tell if I'm drunk or if he's just blurry. Maybe both. It's because you got so um, close. Of course, Bulls 101, all the great Bulls podcasting that goes on on this network. We all are seeing so much red. I can't stop seeing red. My screen is red right now. Um, obviously, I want to give a little shout out to Frankie. Hopefully, the return of many more live streams on Twitch. We're going to be gaming tonight. Follow him on Twitch, the King Bean 17. Uh, I'll be on Twitch, Joey Dog 1313. I got my little Twitch shirt here. Shout out. Shout out John, our buddy John, for getting me my own merch. Um, we're gonna be playing some Call of Duty. I'm so excited. I've been thinking about it since we've talked about chips in the in the intro. Mine is actually downloading as we speak. So yeah, if you're a fan I don't of know Call why of Duty, I'm worry. it's making me angry. <laughs> if you're a fan of Call of Duty, then uh, you're gonna want to tune in because we're gonna be playing the new Call of Duty Vanguard multiplayer. We're gonna you know show our dominance on the the youth of Call of Duty gamers that we used to back in the day. Yep, and I might chime in from time to time. I'll probably be on the stream. I'm not going to host any streams, but I will certainly chime in my loud mouth. And make sure you tune in. Speaking of my loud mouth, tomorrow it's a Crosstown Crosstalk at 2 p.m. where I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about. Actually, I do know what we're going to talk about. There's plenty of baseball news. Um, There have been award nominations. Our guy Lance Lynn nominated for the Cy Young. Maybe we'll hand out a couple grades, talk about – whether or not Joey thinks Tony Larusa or Alex Cora are snubs for AL Manager of the Year, neither of them were nominated. Um, we're probably not even going to slightly mention the Cubs, so that's nice. Just kidding, we're totally going to talk about the Cubs. Um, yeah, I'm excited for Crosstown Crosstalk. I love off-season baseball happenings. There's plenty of stuff, so make sure you tune in tomorrow, 2 p.m. on the Barroom Network, and of course, make sure you're following Frankie on Twitter at the King Bean and Joey at Joey Parisi. Of course, I'm at Vinny Parisi. And make sure you tune in the streams tonight. If you guys send me links, I will tweet them. And I will be at Husky Stadium watching Northern Illinois Huskies play against Ball State. And hopefully the Huskies pick up a win. If you're there, make sure you come say hello. I will be in the student section hanging out. I would love to chat with some of our Barroom Network faithful. And of course, people who follow me on Twitter at Vinny Parisi. Um, this hasn't been a hockey show for the last 15 minutes, but it's a hockey show too. Make sure you tune into all the great things going on around the league. I know tonight biz and the boys are going to be hosting the TNT, um, broadcast with the wild and the coyotes. Um, the Maple Leafs are one of the funnest teams in the league to watch. And if you have a chance, if you're watching from out of town or even in town, check out Connor McDavid in person. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, everyone in the sports world should be paying attention to this guy because something truly special is about to happen, I believe, with this kid in his career. So um, thank you for listening. I'm happy everybody – you know, I'm so thankful. Two hours and 15 minutes is the longest show we ever did, and it felt like five minutes. 
So with so that, Frankie, I think Frankie won't shut up. <laughs> because with that, I thank everybody for listening. Go Devils. Go Huskies. Go Bruins. Frank? Go Hawks. There it is. <laughs>